you deserve a vacation to somewhere, anywhere. On Booking.com, you can choose from thousands of unique stays across the U.S., from hotels of all sizes to beach houses, wooden cabins, and tiny homes. Whatever type of trip you want to take, whether it's laying on the beach, camping in nature, taking a city trip, or even going skiing, go to Booking.com to find the perfect place to stay on your next trip. Booking.com. Booking.yeah. Let's start the radio side here so we can let Bill WD40 in to lube us up for tonight's show because you always want to go in smooth. You know what I'm saying? Gorgeous Larry, nice to see you. Asteroid, Nancy Thames, nice to see you. Evan Walter, good that you're pissed off already. Susan in Indianapolis, welcome. Yogi, welcome to the show. And B, thank you so much for kicking off the Super Chat tonight. Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you, Ann. And Winifred Schrader, I know you. I know you. You're Dave's wife. YJ, how you doing, man? Good to have you here. Jessica Davidport, good to see you. Philip Blair again. And uh, let's see, who else do we have? Eva, good to see you. We got 10 seconds. I'm probably going to have to type in hello to all the rest of you. Gizmo, welcome. Steven, thank you so much for that awesome super chat, my man. Appreciate you. Horns out. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show and our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at YouTube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old Davey the favor hit that subscribe button you can follow us on twitter at spaced out radio instagram at spaced out radio show and on tiktok at spaced out radio our website spacedoutradio.com we have a plethora of features for you rock out to bumblefoot read the news wire check out our swag as well tonight's show is brought to you by chive charities help make the world 10 percent happier by visiting chive charities today you can find them on our website we got a power show of paranormal tonight the legendary dave schrader returns to spaced out radio his goatee is looking large and in charge tonight believe you me you'll see it in a moment if you're on our youtube or twitch channels radio gonna be a little difficult just gonna say that then in hour number three, we're going to head to the swamp. Then little Timmy Senor is going to be here for the UFO report. We'll do a little bit of overtime with Random Guy as well. From the Paranormal 60 podcast, one of the best hosts on radio, in my opinion, when it comes to the paranormal supernatural. He's a legend. He's been on Coast to Coast. He's been on numerous television shows. Dave Schrader is here tonight to talk about all the realms of the strange fringe and bizarre of the paranormal world. He's an experiencer. He is someone who has literally jumped the gamut, jumped the shark 
of the paranormal world, searching for answers, not only to his own experiences, but the experiences that others are having around the world as well. It doesn't matter if it's a very positive place or a very negative place. Dave will literally go in there to try and find out what is going on in the paranormal world. Yeah, the man is a legend in my mind. He is, uh, what a pleasure to be able to call him a friend as well. Dave Schrader, it is always a pleasure to have you on Spaced Out Radio, my man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. And uh, look, it's wear your eighth grade teacher's shirt to work night. I noticed. I noticed. You like <laughs> very checkered. I've got a very checkered math teacher look going on. I don't know what's happening tonight. I apologize. All you need is like a felt pen. A highlighter, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, one of those mm-hmm. old school, really tight red ones that they always used to put the D minus in. Yeah, Mister. I never had that uh, D minus, oh. so I wouldn't know about that. Too. Oh, I did, I did. That must be a Canadian thing. Yeah, Does that mean like doing fine, eh? Oh, you know what? My math teacher hated me. <laughs> Absolutely hated me. You know what? By the way, we should tell our audience mm-hmm. that right before this show. I was actually on with you for almost 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. You only do an hour, but we went almost 90 minutes. The Paranormal 60, people could download that at any major podcast uh, download, including Apple and Spotify and Google Play and everything. So if they want to hear the back-to-back of this, the first part, you know, Dave, I have so much fun. I mean, honestly, uh, it is an honor to be interviewed by you. I mean, you ask such intelligent questions and really try to get to the heart of what people are feeling. And a lot of times, you know, I don't think a lot of podcast hosts or or show hosts anymore, YouTube hosts, really do that anymore. We all want facts. We all want nuts and bolts. Yet for you and, and many other people, you understand that this affects people. Whether it's a ghost, whether it's an alien, whether it's a cryptid, why is it important for you to bring out that personal side of the experience? Because that's what all of these experiences are. They're personal to people that many of them started as children having things occur. And it can be an alienating subject. People that have felt this way for years and have even teetered on the brink of suicidal thoughts because they thought they must be crazy. And we give them a portal, uh, a a safe place to join us as we explore this unusual world around us and give them a voice and an ear to a community that evens the playing field. Because truly, Dave, what's beautiful about what we do and talk about is we take every age, gender, financial and fiscal responsibility, all of it. And it it flattens the curve because we're all coming at it from the same point of view. We're all born, we all die, and we're all adventurers in between. So this gives everybody a chance to come together. And I just got back from Savannah, Georgia, and before that, Egypt, where I was on a bus with 30 people that I don't think would have been friends in any other part of their life, but they create a family on these tours and trips with me and friends and friendships and relationships are made. And and I think that's what's important with these kind of shows and live chats like you have. And I have on my show is it gives people a sense of community and that even though what I experience is weird, 
there's other people here that have just as weird of stories or they haven't had the stories happen themselves, but they're open to the concept. And I think that's the great, you know, evening of the playing field is, is talking over these type of subjects. And I, I would sit there and judge in the beginning of my career. I'd be rolling my eyes and shaking my head at some of these stories. And then I, I just started to realize, why do I have to have a delineation line? When is it okay to believe in ghosts and Bigfoot and aliens, but not fairies and dune squatch or sandfoot, right? Uh, whatever other beings might exist out there. You've got to be open to allow the possibilities, and and I'm a big fan of opening the imagination, opening that link between your heart and your head, and just allowing yourself to be filled with with imagination and possibilities all the time. I think, too, that shows like yours and mine, what we really try to express, like you said, is there is a community out there. There is a safe spot for a lot of people mm-hmm. out there who may not have the understanding that they're not all alone that they do mm-hmm. have people to talk to. I mean, I think that's important to try and get through to a lot of the audience because it does I think you hit the nail on the head. This subject of the paranormal, it's bipartisan. It doesn't care what what your sexuality is, it doesn't care what your religion is, it doesn't care your age, what you what grades you got in school, how much money is in your bank account. If you're a a business owner today who's worth millions or you're somebody struggling to work two jobs just to keep a roof over your head, it doesn't matter. This phenomena really seems to to hit home in certain ways. Some people it hits harder. You know, why do you think that is? Why does this phenomena seem to hit some people very hard where other people just seem to have one, maybe two experiences, and then it's over? It may be because we live in a logical world, or at least a world that tries to force us into a place of logic. And the experiences we have really kind of fly in the face of logic as we know it. And that's, like I said at the beginning, allowing the imagination to awaken during these conversations, the what-ifs, the possibilities. I think that the people that allow it to blossom continue to have more and more vivid experiences. Those that force themselves to put things in a compartmentalized box and say, oh, okay, I had that experience. It's weird, but you know, that's not me. That's not my world. And a lot of people shut that down. And I've I've had my own experiences. We just spent 90 minutes talking about your alien abduction scenarios. And there's still more, by the way, folks, if you were listening to both uh, my show and now Dave's show, I'm going to have Dave back again in about a month, month and a half. We're going to go even deeper into some more of the alien uh, stories that Dave has to share with us. So we're just going to keep teeing it up and coming back together to discuss these things. But when I had my alien encounter, and as I was talking to you tonight on on my show, and I, you, you talked about the fact of having this reticence to approach closer for fear of what could happen. When I saw my alien ship moment, I ran towards it because the logic part of my brain was saying, this is not real. You have to go debunk this. It looked like an 80s music effect video. And I was sure he was projecting something onto a screen between the trees. So I ran towards it. And as I'm throwing rocks, waiting to hear that off the screen and it doesn't happen, I I settled into the realization. And then 
the fear washed over me. Like that tsunami when you when the earthquake first hits and the water pulls out and you stand there and all of a sudden you realize, oh, this is not good. And then you see it coming back at you. That's what I had as I stood there and I went, that wasn't a projection. That was real. And I'm now here under where I just saw it. And the fear factor just, and even talking about it, my every hair on my arm is standing up because it was a holy beep moment. And I went back still trying to wrap my head around it. And I talked to James Gilliland about what I saw. And he said, oh yeah, it's, it's a half biologic, half machine. That's how it gets between dimensions. And that broke my brain. And I, I just stood there and I thought, I saw this. What you said just makes sense. But on the other end of the spectrum, it's completely insane. And and I beat myself up for months, maybe even years, having a hard time coming to terms that, yes, I did see that. And, yes, it's okay to have an experience you can't explain. And that, you know, that's part of this journey. It really is part of the journey that we are all on, Dave. Do you think you'll ever be done with the journey or is it just beginning? I mean, because it's so different every day. I think um, I think this journey will go from this world to the next because I do believe I've said it to the point that I will stay to haunt my children and make their lives a living hell because karma is a bitch and I'm going to prove it to them. So for all the hell they've given me on earth, I will give back to them from the spiritual realm. Uh, but I don't know. I think that's the awakening. That's the key. And I think that that kind of gives guys like you and I a step forward in the next evolution is that we're already open to these concepts so that we will maybe be able to straddle and maybe get the choice to come back as a Venusian or a Martian or a Plutonian or Maybe something from Uranus. I'm not sure, Dave, but I'm open to it. An open Uranus is always a good thing. Right. Yeah, if we're not open to Uranus, we close ourselves down to something that could be potentially life-changing. I agree with you. I agree with you. Dave, out of everything, and we're going to get into a lot of your stories tonight and a lot more about your ET story and everything, but out of everything mm -hmm. you've experienced, what's missing on the bucket list of the, of the woo for you? That's a great question. I uh I don't know, Dave. I've I've seen what I believe to be alien craft. I've seen what I believe to be secret governmental craft. I have had ghost experiences, shadow people experiences. Um I have seen cryptids. I have had psychic phenomena happen in my life, precognitive moments. Um, I believe I've had angelic encounters. I have manifested. I have set intention and seen it come to fruition. So I don't know. You know, there's that aspect of facing the demonic. I don't, I'm not open to that. I don't, I don't want to be open to that out of safety for not just myself, but my children. I don't want to have things lash out at my unprotected family because of my decisions. But I also try to, you know, I'm there for people and I, I listen to those stories and I try to give them help and point them in directions. But that's something that I don't necessarily believe is part of my, um, 
I guess is not really part of my bucket list. Uh, I, I being on board a craft, uh, maybe confronting an alien face to face would be something. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I guess that would be the last of it for me is, is that, uh, I don't know that I need to see a skinwalker in person. I don't n- need to see, you know, there are some things that you're like, Oh, that'd be really cool. But I don't know that I need to see that. Um, I would like more the opportunity to hear from other cultures, uh, leaders, shamans, um, people like that, that would relate their stories to me and trust and open up to me to hear those experiences. Does that make sense? That to me is almost, almost as personal and intimate. You know, I, I, I I was at a, a casino in, uh, near the Milwaukee area for a conference a number of years ago. And it was late in the night and uh, a couple of us were just hanging around drinking and talking. And I was sitting next to this gal at the bar nickel slots and we were shooting the breeze and this native American elder uh, sat on the corner and he was intently staring at the girl that was next to me and complimented it on her eyes and how almost inhuman they were. And, and then I said, Oh really? Have you ever seen an inhuman to know that? And he kind of looked up at me and sat back up in his chair and he goes, well, do you believe in the Sasquatch? And I said, I do. And he goes, there are many things I could tell you. And Dave like that, like the seeing eye in the sky from the casino, which is always watching for people to do the fake slip and fall pranks to Sue or are cheating at the tables there were four or five security guards that came out of nowhere and surrounded him. And they're like, okay, chief, we got to get you to bed. You know, Oh, it's been a long night and you, know, you have to forgive him. He's been drinking. And, and he just kind of gave me that side eye and they shut him down. I think he was about to open up to me about something that is very important to their belief system that they're not necessarily open to sharing with everybody, let alone some, bonehead sitting at a bar drinking and pushing money into a slot machine. I want to ask you about that because I actually have a lot of First Nations people around my area Mm -hmm. here in British Columbia. And I am a firm believer that the reason why mainstream science isn't solving Mm -hmm. any of these issues is because we, we eliminate people like the first nations, their legends, their stories that have been passed down generation to generation. Although anecdotal, I think they have a lot of merit into why we aren't solving these mysteries today. What what is your thoughts about the way we do not go after or treat experiencers or first nations with the respect to what's happened to them? I don't think science, uh, accepts it on the face value. I think the testing has been done. The confirmations have been made. This starts to go down a a conspiratorial rabbit hole. But I think a lot of the reasons that it's easier for them to dismiss things is because, let's face it, and this is going to be a very unpopular theory, Dave, um, we are not ready. Many of us are not ready for the truth. You can't handle the truth. And that's true. Because look at the way people react to stupid things. And 
and overreact instead of hearing each other out, instead of finding a common ground to come together to assure that things won't continue to happen this way, we incite violence or fear. And I think if the government of the United States were to come forward and say they exist, they've always existed, and we can do nothing about it, it will cause anarchy and chaos in a portion of the um, populace that causes trouble. Uh, People that are maybe bent into religious belief systems that will fight it and and assume it to be something demonic or something evil. Um, There will be others who believe that it is the government in disguise that is coming to to take these things and, and test on us. There will be so many different outcries that it will cause a collapse. Uh, religion is stepping up. Catholicism, I think we have to agree, although it has slipped, it is still one of the most powerful religious bases in the world. And Catholicism is now saying things like, we think maybe it's time we get past there being a one-gendered God, right? I don't know if you saw this, but the Pope recently, they made the comment that maybe God is not a he, nor is it a she, it is a they, it is a them, it is a it is a, a consciousness as opposed to a single being or single sexuality. Um, the, the Pope came out, I, and it was the previous Pope, and I'm not Catholic, so I apologize. I don't remember. Is it Pope Francis that's in charge now or Pope Benedict? Do you remember? Pope Francis in charge now. Benedict, okay, so, so Benedict, Benedict right, uh, who preceded him, came out and said, hey, it's not uh, it's it's not a sin anymore to believe that that there's life elsewhere that we're not the only beings God created and that was a that was a huge boot off the throat of conceptualized theology we're not God's only chosen one that relieved a different pressure and the catholicism the catholic church who has observatories and they're watching the skies, too. There's a reason that they've been easing back. Shop hot deals at Academy Sports and Outdoors online-only sale. Get up to 50% off great brands at the best prices. And if you find a better price, we'll beat it by 5%. Guaranteed. Visit academy.com. Deals end March 8th. Exclusions and restrictions apply. See academy.com slash disclaimers for details. Planning a sun and sand vacation should be fun, not stressful. Apple Vacations makes planning your getaway easy with a selection of all-inclusive resorts all around the world. It's like turning on easy mode. You can explore the soft white sands of the Caribbean, swim in the Pacific blue waters of Mexico, or travel across the Atlantic to the shores of Europe with the inclusive collection, part of Hyatt Hotels and Resorts. The choice is yours. Planning an Apple vacation has never been easier. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com and governments are easing back. But I I think that we're not fully ready as a people, but I think we may be at the point where, you know, the catch-21 is, is or catch-22 has already taken place. We're beyond the fail-safe. It's coming, whether we want it to or not. Now the government is scrambling to find a way to give it to us incrementally in a way they feel they can control things where they may begin to admit 
that these creatures and beings from other planets exist, but they won't go as far back to say it took place at Roswell or it's been taking place all along. I would be, I would, I would say that if anything, they're going to agree that something happened within the last 15 to 20 years. And that'll be the end of what they're willing to reveal. And I could be wrong on that, but I think that that's the way they contain this thing. And that's the way that they, they do it. I think you're right. As we got about 90 seconds to go here before we go to break at the bottom of the hour, Dave Schrader is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio from the popular podcast, The Paranormal 60, which we expect all of you are going to download because of the last episode he was interviewing me. That's why. But uh, nonetheless, you know, Dave, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and, you know, I look at it from a point where we are pushing the limits of what's going on. This is why I say to our audience here, we're not in a disclosure movement of anything. We are in a confirmation mm-hmm. movement of the of them, whoever they are, the government or whatever, confirming that this phenomena is going on. But I would say this to also add to the question I asked you about about uh, you know what's on the bucket list. I'd love to have that landing again. I would walk up to it. I would walk mm-hmm. up to that landing. And my other one that I want to do, Dave, and. I've now got the area. My buddy Mikey is in the chat room. He was there the night we saw Sasquatch this past October. I want to get close to one. Like I want to be with like between five and 20 feet of it and not at hiding behind a tree or, or whatever. I want, I want to just walk by and say, Hey Norm, how you doing? Or something like that. You know, just rock it out that way. Those are my two. Agreed. That would be great. Oh, yeah. Dave, I'm going to get you to hold on right there. We are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour from the Paranormal 60 podcast. From every paranormal show you watch on TV, just look for the goatee and the eyebrow. Dave Schrader is here. He's one of the best in the business when it comes to broadcasting, when it comes to paranormal investigation. He's a voice of reason that we all need in a time when we're all pulling out our hair trying to find the answers that we're looking for. Spaced Out Radio is next. That was a quick 30 minutes. Wow. Flown on by. Yeah, it zips right by when you're having fun, huh? Oh, yeah. It's that shirt, man. It's the shirt. Mm-hmm. It's the math mathematician shirt. I'm not going to lie. I, I'd wear that. I totally would. <laughs> well, obviously, so would I. Uh, I feel... You as I'm looking get... at it, I just no. I, as I look at it, I realize I look like an eighth grade math teacher. Do you want me to go get changed in mine? Because I can. <laughs> no, here let's just uh, let's just get this one off, Dave. And uh, is it okay if I just do the rest of the shirt, uh, show topless? Oh, hey, if you're showing off some tattoos, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> look at this. I never go in the sun, so I'm always curious how I've got this weird farmer's tan. Is it from when I did see the UFO? It baked that line into me. I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Holy cow. I had fun with you tonight. Thank you. No, it's always a pleasure, buddy. I love talking to you. Oh, yeah. Quickly Maybe see. we should do one show a month where it's the two Daves come together to tackle other people's problems. Give us your weirdest, your your most bizarre stories, and let's tackle them. Oh, yeah. I, hey, I'm, I'm game for that. You know what? We should... Uh, we should do something like that. That would uh, create yeah. more uh, traffic to both our channels. 
you know, I, I always, I hate to sound frustrated, but a lot of times I will, and I was telling my team yesterday, we had a team meeting, uh, and I was telling my team, you know, sometimes I see a, a lot of these podcasts and shows out there where I, I don't want to sound like I'm braggadocious or have an ego, but it's not very talented. You know what I'm saying? And then you mm-hmm. look at their subscriber count and it's like quadruple of ours or or quintuple of ours. And I'm looking at this and I'm sitting, how? How? Why does why does the YouTube gods hate me so much? You know? I hate when that happens. Yeah. But, you know, then you have to look at how many episodes are actually being watched, how many, because there's people that have a hundred or, you know, 200,000 followers, but they're still getting 2,500 views. Oh, I know. You know, whereas I've got 20,000 followers and getting 2,500 views. I'd like to figure out what happened to that other 18,000 right? uh, subscribers. Why'd you come to my channel? Why'd you subscribe if you're not watching? I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And I, I've, I don't pay for the fake uh, numbers because that's uh, of no use. Why pay to have fake subscribers? Oh, I agree with you there. I got accused of that mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. I got accused of that. And it's like, number one, I don't even know how to get those. But number two, it's like, after you read the terms and conditions of, of YouTube where they can... Uh, boot you off and cancel your monetization yeah. everything there's no damn way i would ever do that right no, no damn way that's how i feel you know plus the fact is i'm I'm old-fashioned in the fact i love to grow it and watch people come to me and you know that's all you can do is just make yourself available I to agree. other shows talk to people and it's never like i've never looked at it as though it's competition like i said on my show yeah. with you earlier we can talk about the same topics and you and I are going to look at the same thing, probably from two different perspectives. Although some of it may come over, you're going to ask different questions and I will, we, we can flesh out a story in a, in a better way by having multiple people examine that story. Hugely. Yeah. Yeah. Hugely. I, I totally, I totally agree. And, uh, and you know, the whole competition thing, I don't get, I don't get it whatsoever, whether it's, competition on podcasts or or you know a lot of times i'm sure you've heard this stuff where you get the name droppers where oh i've had so and so on my podcast and i've had have you talked to them well i've had them it's like mm-hmm. okay and you know what i actually kind of pride myself on I, i've had everybody at one point or another you know uh and then there are people i i can't get on the show and it's strange to me um but then some of my favorite shows and some of the shows audience members go nuts for are the ones you've never heard of. And it's that one time they came on my show and talked and that was it. And they're like, that was the greatest episode I've ever heard. You know what? When you can get somebody on the air who is just so genuine in telling their story and they've Mm -hmm. never told it anywhere else. And you get that, that first crack at, at talking to them. There's nothing better. There really is nothing better. I mean, you can have all the big names you want or whoever, but when you get that natural story, it it makes for great radio. Uh, I want to just uh, get you to hold on right there. Thank you, Ann B., Stephen, Ed, and Nancy H. for the Super Chats tonight. Very much appreciate the love. And uh, don't forget, if you've signed up for Vegas, we need you to confirm with us for the fan party. All right? We got like... 45 emails of saying people they're coming 
and we need you to reconfirm. Thank you. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read the newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Continuing on tonight with Dave Schrader. He is with the Paranormal 60 Podcast, probably the best paranormal podcast going on the market right now, and you can download it at any major podcast store, including Apple, Spotify, iTunes, you name it, he is there. And Dave is also, you probably recognize him from being on a multitude of television shows. Yeah, because he's just famous that way. I'll never get there, but he's famous that way. And That's not true. No, no, no. There's only room for one Dave, and I'm number two. That's not true, brother. Listen, who'd have thought uh, an overweight 55-year-old bald guy would be on TV and get his own show, and it's happened to me three times in my life. So I don't believe that that's it. You just have to set that intention. And Dave Scott, I'm eventually going to bring you in screaming onto some TV program with me. We're going to get out there. Hey, you know what? Uh, I would do it. I would do it, but uh, I, I, I'm going to have to wear a girdle though. So that way it tightens in <laughs> around here and here, uh-huh. you know, I just yeah. got to make sure, you know, that it all works out. Dave, out of everything you have experienced paranormal mm-hmm. supernatural you've you've had good things you've had bad things you've had fun times you've been shoved you've been kicked you've been pushed and punched planning a sun and sand vacation should be fun not stressful apple vacations makes planning your getaway easy with a selection of all-inclusive resorts all around the world it's like turning on easy mode you can explore the soft white sands of the caribbean swim in the pacific blue waters of mexico or travel across the atlantic to the shores of europe with the inclusive collection part of hyatt hotels and resorts the choice is yours planning an apple vacation has never been easier turn on easy mode at applevacations.com Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Ship building.com you know i i understand that the whole and that's world, just by my children yeah the, just by the children yeah, and the children <laughs> goes as well what do you think is your most memorable experience that maybe you haven't shared we all have our favorite stories but every time I, I don't know about you but every time i do an interview like you were interviewing me earlier i always get that thought well darn it i should have mentioned this one because that's a real good one i never talk about that one What's that story for you? I, uh, 
boy, you know, I've been sitting, uh, putting pen to paper over the last year and a half here, writing my stories. And I look at it, I'm like, oh, I've shared that story and this story, and I've shared that story. Uh, So I guess here's one I haven't really talked about much, uh, and maybe you'll find some interest in. Um, Okay, the UFO encounter I had in Trout Lake, Washington, took place in October of 2006. And I saw these things in the sky. I was witness to the strangeness of them. Um, And I I was an active participant in sky watching. So I was watching them. He told me, uh, James Gilliland, the owner of Assetti Ranch, he said, now that they know you're watching, they'll be watching you. Oh, that's interesting. I go back to my hotel room in Trout Lake, the Trout Lake Hotel, beautiful little like cabiny looking hotel. And I, uh, I'm a paranoid guy, so I always shut the door, lock it, bolt it, and then put the chain on. And I wake up in the middle of the night to something moving in my room, and I hear footsteps, and then I hear my bedroom door open and shut, and I can see the light from outside, and the door shuts. And I'm like, what the f-? And I get out of bed, and, you know, you got that fight or flight. I'm in my underwear. I'm in a foreign place not sure what to do. You're, you're so vulnerable and exposed that I'm literally like, what just, and I go and the, the chain is swinging back and forth on the door. There's no forced in entry, but something got in my room. Something was observing me as I slept. And I don't really talk about that aspect because that to me always felt like the woo. Okay. We'll, we'll go along with you on your ride, Dave, that you saw something in the sky because that means, you know, anything that you don't, identify is unidentified so big deal you saw a light in the sky you think was an alien craft but there's still room wiggle room but now if something was in your room with you and it ran out when you woke up that level sometimes brings people to the hmm sure dave right and it starts making people question your authenticity and sincerity uh so that you know i'm, I'm a little bit more protective of now could it mean that somebody came in another way that i didn't know about and then they just ran out and opened up the chain but i didn't hear the chain open and the lock switch or anything happen it just you know i i just saw it running (laughs) when he but when david's home he sends me to check it out well yeah i mean it only makes sense what evil doer is gonna hurt her she's petite and cute uh, they see me, they're going to clear me out of the way. Her, they might be like, you know, if it's an alien or Bigfoot who's just broken in, they're going to, oh, look at her, she's cute, and just leave her alone. Me, they're going to take me and feast on me some point, you know? I know that feeling. I know that feeling. <laughs> That's why I don't do the ocean, you know, because I know, I know there's a shark out there just waiting to, you know, treat me like a meal. That's it. You're right. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of the ocean yeah. either. There's too many things that want to to eat you and mm-hmm. hurt you out there. Oh, yeah. See, I've, people like your wife, Winnie, they don't have that, that problem because they're so tiny. You know, right. it's, there's no problems there. It's like, I don't want that. Get, bring the walrus over, you know? <laughs> yeah, I've always joked about the fact that I'm, um, I'm no hero when it comes to strange stuff at home. Go check it out. You go check it out. I'm tired. You gotta, I'm the breadwinner. I can't be the one to go. Who's going to pay for the kid's college? You go check it out, right? So she smacks me and goes and checks it out because she's more masculine than I am in some cases. So uh, there's that. But I'm open to it. I'm I'm willing to share that element. 
Um, there's, you know, the things I, I told you about, you know, I've had these encounters I put into the realm of angelic. Um, and although I've talked about this story, I'll, I'll give you kind of a little run of interesting moments. Um, and I, I talk about this now because now more than ever, I'm, I'm hearing from people that are on a dark passage and they're, they're maybe questioning life and living. Um, depression is, is very real. Anxiety is very real. We've come off a very rough two to three years in our world and uh, people just don't know where they fit anymore. Uh, when I was uh, a teenager, you know, of course I had the breakup with my first true love and uh, there was a fallout with my group of friends. And I found myself at this nexus point, this, this fork in the road I'd never gone down before. And when you're in that place as a teenager, even as an adult, it's a very egocentric place. It's a place where you feel like I'm the only one that's ever felt this kind of pain. Nobody could ever possibly know. And I, um, I just decided, even though I'd had a lifelong fear up to that point of death, I just decided it was probably better if I went and I attempted to kill myself um, and put the gun in my mouth and pulled the trigger and nothing happened. And uh, the safety was off. The gun was loaded. The slide had been pulled. The bullet was in the chamber and I pulled the trigger and it cracked and nothing happened again. And I was like, what the flip? I can't even do this right. And then I saw my dad's headlights pan into the bedroom. And I thought I could pull the trigger one more time, but that's not fair to him to hear that and know he was off by 10 seconds. I just couldn't do that. So I put the gun away and I went downstairs. And this is relevant because I just came back from a concert last night and uh, it, it puts me back in that mindset. So I go downstairs into my darkened bedroom basement uh, and turn on the radio, put on my headphones, plug in. The crackling of the radio comes to life, and there's a song playing, and I just I I liked it, just playing in the background. It ends, and some other crap song comes on. So I spin the dial, and I I catch that first song again, and I I listen to it. And it ends, and a crap song comes on. I spin the dial, and I catch that song for a third time. And the song was "Dancing in the Dark" by Bruce Springsteen. And it's a clever little pop tune that that entire album is a chameleon. That that album was very pop oriented and, and portrayed messages that were not the real messages. You know, as Ronald Reagan uh, touted Born in the USA as though it was a moment of pride, Bruce Springsteen reminded him that's not what the song's about. It's about how the America that, that these veterans went out to fight for and for the rights turned its back on, on its own military and citizens and there were all of these songs in this delightful little pop tune called dancing in the dark which you don't really pay attention to the lyrics and it was around the third time as i'm listening to this dave and i felt as like hands had been lifted off my ears and then the words began to spill into my head for the first time i could hear the words and here was a guy as i'm sitting there feeling bad for myself and everything about me who can't stand his clothes, his hair, his face. He wants a change. He needs to get out of where he is. His life is closing in around him. And then there's this reprise of, hey, but you can't start a fire sitting around crying with a broken heart. You can't start a fire worrying about your little world falling apart. 
there's something bigger and better and you're not alone. And all of a sudden I heard these words echo in my skull and it was this religious experience for me. And I heard this message hidden in a pop tune. And all of a sudden I realized this guy lived through something. This is, this isn't just words. This is a message. And, and it, and all these years later, his book comes out and I read his book and he breaks down that song dealing with his depression. And I read it exactly as it was meant to be. And it changed my life. It saved my life. And last night I went and saw it performed again in concert. I shared it on my YouTube page and on my Facebook and shared my story. And, and I realized that him sharing his story saved my life. And I've shared that and I've been vulnerable and open to people to share that so that they can feel that sense. And, and I want people to know they're not alone because I feel that the angel of mercy came to me that night and saved my soul through rock and roll. And as corny as that sounds, I believe that to be real. And I've had multiple experiences where I'm here for a reason. And I don't mean that to sound egocentric, but I've been reminded of that time after time from going to college after leaving high school in 1985 and finding out I'm going to be a father in 88 and, and wayward with no focus. I decide I'm going to go to college and I pass my ACTs and I have to go to college to take the final tests to see if I can get accepted. And on my way there with the little money I had scraped up, my car breaks down and I pull off on an exit and I'm not a car guy. And I've got a 69 Plymouth Fury three. I know nothing about, and I look under the hood and there's just steam coming up. And I stood there and I thought, good Lord, I'm never going to get there in time to do that test tomorrow. My future is done. And out of the woods comes Jesus Christ himself, this hippie beard, long brown hair, sandaled feet, comes walking up to me, and he's got this beat-up car, and he goes, hey, man, what's going on? And I tell him what's going on, and he goes, let me look. And he goes, oh, look, it's it's your gazoinum platted blue. We've just been telling students what they should not do. It doesn't work. We have to educate them. Instead of telling students, don't do drugs, I would talk to them about how to find and keep the joy they want and deserve. And then I could help them understand how substances steal that joy. We hope you'll listen to the Mayo Lab podcast and tell others about it. You will find tools to work with your teens. The Mayo Lab podcast, you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and everywhere podcasts are distributed. Feeling stuck when it comes to writing? Jasper is an AI writing assistant that helps you break through writer's block, create blogs, social content, add variations, really anything you can imagine, much faster than you would on your own. With Jasper's text-to-image generator, you can even create original art. Convey your best ideas better and faster with Jasper. No more blank pages or unfinished pieces. Try Jasper for free at jasper.ai today. Let me check something. He goes and he comes out with this rusty old toolbox and he opens it up and there's a little baggie inside there. In that baggie is the gazoinum plant. I need it. I don't know what car parts are, Dave. So that's why me I either. It I, I, it's making sense to me. And he takes out this part and he removes the broken one and he puts this fitted rubber cap over and he says, let this cool down for another half an hour and then go pump water into this jug and pour it into your radiator and it's going to get you there and get you home. And I thought, okay. And then he goes, so what are you going to do for me? 
And I'm like, oh, God, I'm at a rest stop, and there is a dirty, homelessly Jesus-looking guy who now wants to exchange sexual favors for a rubber cap. And I said, I don't know. I said, I don't have money. The money I have is to get me to college, to take my test, and drive home. And he goes, I don't want your money. And then I was like, oh, no, this is going to go horribly wrong. And I go, what do you want? And he goes, I want you to do right by somebody else and expect nothing in exchange, just like this moment. And then he smiled and put his toolbox in his car, shut the back, and disappeared into the woods again. And crazy moment, right? But where did, where did this come from? I go to college. I, I, I'm staying in my house across from campus. And my roommates are finally like, Schrader, get out and meet people, dude. You can't just get drunk in our college dorms and just go to class and come back to the to the room. You got to go make friends. You got to get out of here. So I walk out of the house, Dave, and there's this gorgeous little blonde with a ponytail and short 80s short and shorts, and she's walking across. So I figure, well, I'll follow and see where she goes. This is before stalking. I can do this. And I follow this beauty across campus into the Performing Arts Center up the stairs. I'm like, I've done plays. Maybe she's in plays. I'll join a play with her. Nope. Oh, then she's going to go by the music room. I like music. I'll listen to what they're going to play. Nope. She keeps walking down the hall. She goes to the end of the hall and goes into the last door on the left. And I've tracked her down there. And there is KQAL, your radio alternative, now looking for on-air talent. And I'm like, I love radio. And I open the door, and I'm greeted by five guys and no cute blonde in sight. And they talk me through it, and I say, yeah, 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 I'll start tomorrow uh, for training. Great. Just out of curiosity, there was a cute little blonde with a ponytail I followed in here. Where'd she go? And they all looked at each other and said, do you think if a cute little blonde with a ponytail was in here, we would be talking to you? No And there was no other exit port. No way. So something brought me to it. And then a few weeks later, I'm driving home, And I'm in this pack from Minnesota to Chicago, and we're speeding, and we're drifting each other and keeping it going. And at one point, this cute blonde pulls into the car lane next to me, and we're kind of flirting through the windows. And then she points at the exit, and like she's eating a sandwich. And I said, sure, I'll go have lunch with you. I nod. She takes the exit. I cross over and take the exit. She got a little ahead of me, and she's gone. And I get off on the road, and I'm driving, and I can't find her. And there's there's only a handful of fast food places. I go through all the parking lots. She's nowhere to be found. I ended up just stopping and eating. I get back on the road, and I hit a traffic jam. Finally worked my way through the traffic jam. Two hours in crap traffic of stop and go, only to find that that pack of cars that I had been driving in, a semi had jackknifed and flipped over on the road, three of the cars that I was in that uh, convoy with impacted into that truck and were killed. Oh, my. And I never found that blonde that took me off the road. I never found that blonde at college for two years that I was there. It's just interesting. I think that there's something that's kept me here for a reason. And, uh, again, I don't mean it to be egocentric, but it just, you know, no, it's, those to me are, are the moments that are even beyond the Bigfoot and the UFOs and the ghosts I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh I've been delivered and, and uh, I'm here to share those stories with people. And sometimes in sharing that it, it helps other people. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's what I feel is the bigger part of what I do. Have you ever seen your guardian angel again? Uh, not, not in the flesh, but there are things that nudge me in directions that save me from myself. Uh, from time to time, there are these psychic moments I've had that, again, feel not like they're coming from me, but from uh, a- around me. 
and so it's I feel like it's it's gone beyond needing to be a cute little blonde with a ponytail into a knowing. And I think that's a gift that's been given to me in doing the TV shows I've done is I've been able to do something that a lot of shows don't do with the compassion towards the ghosts. Um, and I've been lucky to be paired up with people like Cindy Kaza, the medium, and Shane Pittman and KD Stafford that care about the spirits and the realm that we're dealing in and more than just the shock and awe of, Holy, we just had a paranormal experience, but what does this mean? And what can we do to help it? And telling these stories of the lost that to me is the important part of what we do and has been a real privilege and an honor for me. For, for a lot of people, they don't pick up the signs, Dave. I've mm-hmm. had a couple of really deep signs myself. I, you know, I, I remember I almost died a, a couple of times ATVing, and mm-hmm. I was never injured, and I walked away from both of them. You know, uh, it, it's funny. My my wife always used to when we go ATV riding. She always used to tailgate me, and then all <laughs> of a sudden at the end I'd get the bump and it be like, come on, you know. And this one time I'm climbing this hill, but my machine is having a gas problem. It had air in the tank. And so I'm pushing up this hill where literally the drop is about two feet to my left or to my right. And it is steep down. And all of a sudden my this air starts getting into my, into my uh, gas chamber and my bike starts lifting up. And mm. I start rolling backwards at the same time because I have no power and I'm just trying to keep my bike straight and I hit something and I yell at my wife who's behind me. I said, get out of the way. Stop tailgating me. I'm about to flip this. Right. And my buddy runs over. We put the machine down. I turn and I look or my wife says, I wasn't tailgating you. I look and she's 10 feet behind me. I hit something. Mm. Something stopped my bike. Or my ATV. Don't know what it was. I hit something, though. Don't get it. And then the second time, I hadn't ridden all winter. Wanted to go ride. And the entire time I was going up to that mountain, I had this little voice inside of me saying, Don't ride. Turn around. It's not a good day to ride. Not a good day. And I brushed it off because, dude, it was it was a... 70 degree day in the middle of spring, not a cloud in the sky. The trails are dry. Let's go for a ride. Get up on the mountain, 10 minutes, 15 minutes into our ride. I hit a washout at five miles an hour. And my tires kick into the deepest part. Uh, I hit a rock. My tires turn into the deepest part of the washout. My bike comes up, flips over top of me and rolls down an embankment 250 feet, destroying my ATV. Jeez. Got to listen. You got to listen to that voice. Two and a half minutes before we got to go to break here at the well, time. Let me, let me say something to you, yeah, Dave. You go ahead. Right? I, I think you did die. I think I've died repeatedly really? in these moments. I think that the lives that we're allowed to live, the... You know, if you look at the biblical stories, we're supposed to have these long, expansive runs, and most people don't get there, but not in a a linear fashion. I look at it as like a step. I think in those moments where you and I have faced death, 
we probably stopped and our, our consciousness just rolled over into the next universe, the next parallel. And we'll continue on that journey until that moment. And it'll jump again, which may be an explanation for things like the Mandela effect is that we do have these slightly altered memories from worlds that don't exist because our consciousness did at one point exist in a realm where things were just subtly different. And that may be why we have these memories. And I've talked to people that have had these same type of experiences that have had similar memories and they can pretty much pinpoint different points in their life that almost align with mine in the same years for these near death experiences that maybe their consciousness hopped over. So it's, again, it's a fascinating thing to consider, to even think about that. We are more than just the one life we live. We are more than just the one thing we do and we have to be aware of it and open to all of it. Oh, very much so. And and I've never really looked at it at that idea because, you know, I've looked into, you know, David Politis with missing 411. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of those people who've gone missing have walked through a portal where on the other side, everything is the same, except here they're gone for good. And I'm wondering if that's kind of the same thing. Wouldn't it be fascinating to be able to go to places that are known for these disappearances and go back in their histories to see if there have been people that have shown up that they may have put into lunatic asylums that were claiming, uh, you know, they vanished in 2007, but in 1938, this guy came out of the woods dressed strangely talking about cars and planes and rocket ships to the moon and they put them away and, and it would be interesting to see if those people do exist in our timeline, but were put away as nuts and they just were put in a different era. If we could track that man, if there's gotta be a way I've been dying to start examining these concepts or at least look on ley lines where there are these portals that people vanish. Maybe they're popping up in other parts of the world. Let's talk about that. When we come back from the paranormal 60, and television paranormal shows. Dave Schrader is here tonight on Space Out Radio. We got it for another hour here on the Mighty SOR. More weird, strange paranormal tales, stories, and thoughts right after this. Davey, we got about six minutes here. I'm going to take a quick break here. We're going to bring up uh, Dirty Filth. Do you want to go in the green room, or do you want to hang out with Filthy here? Uh, throw me in the green room, and I'm going to go hit the restroom real quick myself. All right. All right. We'll be right back. Dirty, it's all on you, man. Tell us about how awesome it is. And I can't wait. I just ordered your book, buddy. Ooh, thanks, Dave. <laughs> Bring it to Vegas. I'll vandalize it. I hope so. I will. With that kind of attitude, you get a vandalized book. Yes, if you come to Vegas... I will vandalize the book if you bought it from me. I'll also give you cartoons. If you go to filthy.com, F-Y-L-T-H-Y.com, you can get a copy of my book or prints or a calendar, or you can send me mail if you want. V is for Vegas. Yeah, probably going to go to the heart attack grill, have a heart attack and croak right there. 
I'll be drawing cartoons in between when they do the little switcheroo as well in Vegas, in between the the different shows. So if you're there, you come and grasp me and get me off my game and I'll just have to yell at you and my cartoon will look terrible and <clears throat> Thanks, local boy. It's basically just some creepy guys in the forest. Oops, let me get some blue for the eyeballs, because Sasquatch always has blue eyes. Never seen one, but I'm, I would wager they have blue eyes. Yeah, Pixie... All the all the shindigs going down to the golden nugget. The golden booger. I've uh, I've rented a couple boxes just off Fremont Street. That's where I'm gonna just stay there. Nice quiet. Put my hat outside there, maybe people will throw change for me too as well. I'm like, oh look at that guy, he needs money. <clears throat> wasn't here last week. I had to go to a, a show, but I got free meals every day, so it was all good. Wish I could say something cool like I was abducted by aliens or something, but wasn't the case. But yeah, definitely. Come to Vegas. I'll give you a free piece of artwork. Like 200 cards so far that I've made. <clears throat> 205 actually, because I did some yesterday. The cat themed ones. Cats abducting aliens and fish and the Sasquatch. Sally, it's. The thing that I've been good at my entire life. Jokes on my teachers now. They're like, oh, you'll never go anywhere just drawing cartoons all the time. <laughs> all right. That looks like a forest scene there, filth. It is. Some fellas of the forest here so far a cat squatch wow that's got to be a thing hi renee how are you deb from sack good to see you who else has jumped in here mommy welcome to sor chat Filth, I just uh, need to borrow a little bit of time here. Uh, for our Vegas event, May 19th through 21st at the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas, we got a bunch of people who have emailed in saying we want tickets. We've sent an email out, and you may not have got it. Hopefully you did. We need you to respond back to info at spacedoutradio.com. we got to get the VIP tickets counted up. Because we got to know how much swag we're bringing down for all of you. 
need to know. So if you could email Kat at info at spacedoutradio.com and confirm your tickets and your payment and everything like that, we want to make sure that everybody gets a swag that uh, wants swag, and uh, we've got to get our numbers in for Vegas. So if you could, I would uh, really appreciate it. Hey there, Super Quest, how you doing? And uh, we got some great people coming, guys. Uh, Geraldine Orozco is going to be there. Science Bob. Dirty Filth's going to be there. Random Guy's going to be there. We got a ton of guests. Melinda Leslie, Lorian Fenton, uh, Walter Bosley's looking to come in. Same as Matt Ford. They're looking to come in. Uh, uh, oh, gosh. Ton of people coming. Crypto Gurus coming. Carter Bouchard's coming. Our team is going to be there. We all want you there. So if you want to come, get your VIP tickets before April 1st, just like the ticker says below at info at spacedoutradio.com. And uh, I want to say thank you to Ann B. Stephen in the UK, Ed Clater, Nancy H., and Kira for the amazing super chats. Greatly appreciate it. Here comes our two. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Nepenthe. Nepenthe is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Hour number two with the man, the myth, the paranormal legend, Dave Schrader from the Paranormal 60 and many major television shows regarding everything paranormal. And you got a cat with you now, Dave. Yes, this is Mr. Mittens. He is here to rule the earth and uh, is demanding restitution and payment for uh, uh, our messing up the planet that he decided to poop into most often. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't blame Look him. Look at Lord and Master. No. Nope. Yep. Yep, just uh, let him go. We are cat fans around here. We are cat fans. So, you know, uh, the fact that uh, you, he makes you bow to him each and every morning is uh, good for us, good for the world. It's my honor. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I got three cats in my house. Two can't stand me. I mean, I've always been nice to them, but they just can't stand me. That's just cats for you in general. Oh, yeah. Right? I hear you. They're finicky. They're finicky. He's uh, he's the only cat that's had a paranormal experience with me, though. Um, I had a, a strange haunted doll that was gifted to me from uh, Old South Pittsburgh Hospital in, uh, what is it, Tennessee, I believe. And they had given me this when I filmed the series there uh, called Paranormal Challenge with Zach Baggins. And I put it in my closet at home, and it was on a shelf. And the only other thing on the shelf was this antique uh, washboard. 
and I put it up in there. And one night I, uh, I heard this wham and I opened up the closet door and this washboard had been thrown across my closet and broke on the ground. And the only thing sitting on that shelf was the doll. Well, of course, logic tells you it just must have fallen off and slid or something. Uh, I couldn't believe that it was a haunted doll, whatever. Um, but the one night I'm I'm laying there watching TV and my cat's looking into my closet, tipping his head back and forth, and then he goes into the closet and then comes back out of the closet, only in the air and backwards. Like somebody had picked him up underneath his front paws and threw him out of the closet. No and that cat hit the ground and looked at that closet and took off and didn't come into my room for months. No kid. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. Yeah. Very strange. So he's the only paranormal cat I've got so far. The other ones, I've, we've got four cats and a stupid pit bull named Hans Holzer Schrader. I have, uh, I named my dogs too. I got Doug, mm-hmm. I got Doug Stevenson and Shadow Carpenter. Nice. Yep. Very fancy. Yep. The, uh, Doug Stevenson. We've just been telling students what they should not do. It doesn't work. We have to educate them. Instead of telling students, don't do drugs, I would talk to them about how to find and keep the joy they want and deserve. And then I could help them understand how substances steal that joy. We hope you'll listen to the Mayo Lab podcast and tell others about it. You will find tools to work with your teens. The Mayo Lab podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcast and everywhere podcasts are distributed. Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Shipbuilding building.com <laughs> sounds like he's a a part-time dog part-time pool cleaner i'm uh, doug i'm your pool cleaner he, he, he's uh he's got a real surfer dude type of attitude he doesn't care about anything but my guys are getting old and uh they don't have much time left i, I, mm-hmm. I that i do know they got a pretty cushy life here their excitement right now is uh, to go uh, outside and and shove their head into the snow banks i don't know why but they just love that I tried it. Doesn't feel good. They try it. No, it's enjoyable. You know sure. what do you do? Teach their own, I guess. Teach hey, their... Science Bob, thanks for greeting me. I appreciate that. We love some Science Bob around here. Yeah, we always do. I'll be seeing him in San Francisco in just a couple of weeks at UFOCon 2023, which is going to be great. Mm. Absolutely great. Hey, I want to ask you. Out of you've mm-hmm. been, like I said earlier, you've been pushed, you've been shoved, you've had almost every type of paranormal experience that that uh, anybody can imagine. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that has happened to you that to this day really, really just puts a shiver down your spine? <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, uh, oh boy, this is a tough one. So, uh, um, I talked about the girlfriend in the first hour, the first love of my life. And when we were teenagers and, and, uh, she, uh, we got pregnant and she miscarried and, um, 
you know, it was kind of devastating for both of us. We were way too young to be parents or be prepared for that anyway. But uh, one uh, one night I was sleeping in the basement. That was where my bedroom was. <clears throat> and the water uh, softener would regenerate like every three nights. And it always sounded like water filling up the room. And I kept hearing the water filling and filling and filling. And then I started to hear a baby cry. And I was like, what am, what am I hearing? Is that maybe a cat fell in one of the window wells or something? And I, I couldn't figure it out. And I <clears throat> went to step off the bed and I felt something wet and sticky on the floor. And I was like, what the hell? And I reached out and I finally found the string and pulled it for the light. And the light started to flicker. And the floor was covered in this murky substance. And I could hear a baby crying. And I got up and uh, found a baby floating in this muck. And I picked it up and it was crying and, and then passed away in my hands. And I just started sobbing and I dropped to my knees and started sobbing. And I mean, I was full on crying. And all of a sudden I could hear the footsteps upstairs from my mom. And she came tearing down and uh, she comes downstairs Uh I'm I'm just bent over sobbing and she puts her arms around me and she's like, David, what's wrong? David, what is wrong? And uh I, you know, I just cried. I said, We we lost the baby, mom, the baby. And she goes, I heard it. And I said, I, I looked at her and I said, What? Because it wasn't in my hands anymore and the floor wasn't covered in this muck. And I, I looked up at her and I said, What? And she goes, I heard the baby crying down here. So my mom and I had a shared experience. The baby crying woke us both up. She heard it. And then when I found it and it expired in my hands and I, I lost it and started sobbing, that moment is still very, um, uh, very real to me. It's, you know, if you put me on a lie detector and ask, did, did you ever hold a, a dying infant? And I, I, and I could say, yes, I feel I would pass that lie detector because it was so real but that i didn't just have this nightmare my mom heard it as well i don't know if that solidifies our psychic contact with one another our, our connection oh, you know i i don't know what to make of it dave that's still probably one of the most profoundly weird and disturbing moments i've ever had in my entire life and and still impacts me to this day that is crazy man yeah I mean, the there's a story I don't talk about much. So there I you go. Mean, You're talk, pulling them out of me tonight, Dave. Talk about the emotion that you would have. I mean, like your mother hearing this, and then, and then, what, do you think it was uh, uh, the baby saying goodbye? Do you think that maybe it was some sort of of uh, paranormal tulpa that you had created? What What do you think caused that? You know, maybe the tulpa angle is more believable i i don't know i to me it seems like that would not be the way my child would come to me i would have felt that it wouldn't have been kneeling in a puddle of mucky sewage or whatever this was and and holding this baby as i had to live to watch it pass away in my hands that to me doesn't feel like a gift that a spirit would give you this felt just vile and, and horrific so i don't know if it was something darker my own psyche projecting this and because of the closeness i had with my mother she picked up on it as well and to give you kind of a an example um 
you know, and then in 1988, when I became a father for the first time, um, my son was uh, due in February and I came back home on New Year's Eve, uh, January 1st, 1988, uh, after having driven, stayed sober cab, driving my friends home all night, making sure they get home safely. I, every time I passed my street, I had these horrible visions of my mom being pulled out in an ambulance. And I so bad I had to drive up and down the street a few times while doing these safe passage runs. And it was, there was never anything wrong. And I was supposed to spend the night at my final friend's house. And I got in and settled down with them about one thirty, two o'clock. And then I'm like, dude, I got to go home. I don't feel right. Something's wrong. I just want to go home. All right. So I drove home, went into my house and my mom came out, you know, one eye open squinting at me because of the light or hair all crazy. And she's like, are you okay? I said, yeah, I stayed sober cab. Uh, I'm just going to have a, a sip of soda and then go, go to bed. She goes, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll come out and have a cigarette. We could talk. I said, okay. And she turned around and fell into a full um, uh, grand mal seizure and uh, right in front of me. And uh, it was a comedy of errors from that point forward. My dad and I were not prepared for and just made complete Abbott and Costello bubbling buffoonery out of what we were trying to do to help my mom. She finally came to and everything was fine. But uh, it's strange that all night I had had the sense something was wrong. And uh, I was there and and was with my mom. So there was this, I, I definitely believe in a psychic connection with my mom while she was alive. And, and there were many times that things would happen. Nothing quite as profound as those two moments, but there were other times we just had that knowing yeah, that intuition uh, part. I mean, I know you're very big on intuition, and and many mm -hmm. others are out there. Have you ever had a situation where you've you've made predictions, or you just woke up in the middle of of something? Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. You know, where you just woke up, and the next thing you know, there it is. It's happened. Uh, a few times in life, uh, things have have struck me. I know. Um, and this is tough because I know my wife's listening as well, but, uh, we had visited with her father and, uh, father's day was coming up and I said, you, you need to make time for your dad. He's not going to be with us long. Uh, there's something wrong. And, you know, you know, it's not a big stretch. The guy had had a couple of strokes and a couple of heart attacks, uh, over the last decade, but there was just something off. And so she we had him out for father's day and had a delightful time together and it was really great and, and everything. And, and, uh, uh, shortly after then I got a call while I was out on the road and, uh, my wife had talked to her father at bedtime. He said, all right, I got to go take the dog out for a walk. I love you. And they hung up the phone and he stepped outside and suffered a massive heart attack and died that night. Um, so it was, I, you know, I knew it was coming. I'm glad I pushed her to make sure that we made plans with her father for father's day, because it's just something told me this is, this is going to be one of the last times you get to see him. Um, and that was tough. You know, she'd already lost her mom a few years earlier and now her father. So, uh, it's, you know, it's strange. It's, those are kind of the moments you don't want, but it's also like, I'm glad I had that feeling so that we got those last stolen moments together makes me wish that I had been more intuitive to my mom when she was ill. I knew when something was wrong, but I, you know, I think I buried my head in the sand for a long time 
not wanting to accept the reality of it. And I wish I would have spent more time as we all do. Um, but yeah, there's been, there's been times like that where I've, I've had a knowing, uh, you know, and, and did, was there really a girl in a car next to me that signaled me to go off the road? Like we talked about in the first hour, right. or was that a projection of my own mind getting me out of that trouble? I don't know. Uh, same with the, the cute blonde that walked me right to the performing arts building, right to the radio station that started my, my lifelong fascination with radio. You know I mean? I'd loved it my whole childhood and always wanted to do radio. Something literally delivered me to that door and nobody else saw her. So was it a projection from inside my own mind or was it an angel? Was it in, are they two different things? You know, I, I don't know. Um, it's weird how it works, Dave, because, you know, a few months ago, my mom was, was very much sick and I had to cancel a few shows in order to, you know, go be with my mom because we were told, you know, when you get that phone call that this is it, you got to run. We've just been telling students what they should not do. It doesn't work. We have to educate them instead of telling students don't do drugs. I would talk to them about how to find and keep the joy they want and deserve. And then I could help them understand how substances steal that joy. We hope you'll listen to the Mayo Lab podcast and tell others about it. You will find tools to work with your teens. The Mayo Lab podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Apple podcast, and everywhere podcasts are distributed. When you stay at a Verbo, you always get the whole home. The whole upstairs, the whole downstairs, and the whole nap room. Only whole vacation homes. Always all yours. Book on the Verbo app. Have to, you have to run. And we got down there, and my mom looked like hell. Like I'd never seen my mom. It looked like she was starting to make peace. And as we walk in the door to her hospital room, I don't know if the rest of my family picked up on this because they're not really spiritual type people. My Mm -hmm. son goes running into the room and he goes, hi, grandma. I'm so excited to see you. I love you and I've missed you. And he climbs right up onto my mom's bed. And my mom immediately cuddles him. And all of a sudden, she starts this recovery. From literally, Mm. we need to have the talk and start funeral preparations. Because she could go at any minute. To all of a sudden, my son doing this. And Mm -hmm. now she's, you know, she's in a home now. But she is, you know, uh, she's eating on her own. She's starting to walk on her own. She could use the bathroom on her own again. I mean, like, we're like, like, Phil, how many, you're like a cat, <laughs> right? My mom's name is Phyllis, so we call her Phil. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're like, Phil, you're, you're like a cat. How many, how many lives do you have left? This is like the sixth or seventh time you've been on the deathbed here. And you keep going, and I'm happy and I'm fortunate about that. Right. But I often wonder, you know, because when I when you interviewed me a couple months ago, and I was telling you the story about the angel of death in her, she would have mm-hmm. never met my son. The day, the day my mother, and this is stuff my audience doesn't even know, my mother, when my son was born, she could barely lift a fork. That's how weak she was. Like, she struggled to lift a fork or, or a drinking glass. 
The minute my son was born, my mom must have, I don't know, hit the gym or something and started doing push-ups and (laughs) sit-ups and, you know, because she's carrying my son all over the place like he's, like he's nothing, right? Like, like she's been doing it all along. And then all of a sudden this happens with my boy again. So I'm just wondering, like, what's that connection? That's where my mind Mm -hmm. goes. What is that connection that we're missing here? My uh, my aunt uh, had wanted a child very much. I was, you know, um, I was her de facto son. You know, my mom was alive, of course, and, and everything, but my aunt uh, wanted her own child, and they tried everything. You couldn't get pregnant. And I remember going to visit, and one time my aunt just was very down, and I said, what's wrong? And she goes, I just, Dave, I can't get pregnant. We've tried everything. And I looked up, and then I looked at her, and I said, oh, you're going to be pregnant in the next couple of months and it's going to be a little boy. Everything's going to be fine. And she started crying. She's like, don't say that. Don't say that. And I go, no, that's what's going to happen. You're going to be pregnant. It's going to be a little boy. You're going to be fine. And she was like almost mad at me for building any kind of hope. And two months later, she found out she was pregnant. Nine months later, my cousin Kyle was born. So there was that just knowing. And then another time that really kind of strikes me. Uh, do we have enough time for a minute or two here? We, got, we, we need got, to go to break. Four, no, we got four and a half minutes. We got lots of time. Okay. Uh, it was uh, 1990 and my mom and I were planning on going to visit my grandfather. My son is named after my grandfather and we were going to go out there for Easter in April. And uh, that was our plan. And then all of a sudden, um, Something hit me, and I said, "Mom, why, why don't, why wait, why wait till Easter? Let's go now and visit him." You know, Cliff, my my son just turned two, and uh, let's go see, let's go see Grandpa now. And she said, "Okay, all right, sure." And she got the time off, and we drove to go visit my grandfather, and we spent a, a four or five days with my grandfather, and had a remarkable time, lovely time. And we returned home, and three days later, my grandfather went into the hospital and never came out. Um, he just started, everything started shutting down. Uh, turned out that he was completely filled with cancer and had hidden it from us. Uh, we went there, um, spent the time with him. It, it was like nothing was wrong. There was only one moment, and that was when he got down on his knees to play catch with my son, that I saw him wince in pain. Uh, but we we have bad knees notoriously in my family, so I just assumed that it was his bad knee acting up, and he got up in his chair. And But we just had a really beautiful moment and time to spend together. And, uh, and mom went there to spend some time with him. She was a nurse. My aunt went back, and uh, I wrote a note saying goodbye to him because I just knew this was it. And my mom's like, no, no, he's going to be fine now that they know what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, she, uh, she suddenly, you know, they called me and they're like, we lost him last night. And my grandfather, you know, every night when they would come in to visit him and spend time with him and do stuff, all right, I'll see you tomorrow, kid. I'll see you tomorrow. And then that last night he gave him a kiss and he said, I love you. Goodbye. And they said, okay, love you too, dad. Goodbye. We'll see you tomorrow. And he didn't say, I'll see you tomorrow. And they went home and two hours later he was gone. So, uh, something told us to go early and had we waited till April, we would have missed that one last chance to see my grandfather and bring his, his namesake to see him, which he was so proud of. He never had a son. 
Uh, so there was nobody to carry on the family name. So I've done that in spades. I've got eight kids, Dave. So they're all Schraders and they're all, you know, creating new Schraders out on the world. I got eight kids and eight grandchildren. So this world's just going to keep being a Schrader world by the time I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. You need a, you need a Schrader town now. Mm-hmm. You definitely. Yeah. Schraderville. I think that's Schraderville. What it's yeah. Yeah. Well, with a minor league baseball team called the Ghosts or something like that. Yes, the Schraderville Ghosts. That's actually a catchy name. It is. We need to patent that. We need to patent that. Okay. Let's get somebody out there that has uh, some artistic skills. If only we knew who that could be that could create a Schraderville Ghosts baseball team logo for us. If you could think of an artist that could do that, I, I don't let know. Me know. You know what? They're, they're tough to find. They are tough to find. Yeah. You know, because... Yeah. I, I don't even think uh, Dirty Filth knows what a baseball is. Ho- a hockey puck, maybe. Hockey uh, puck, maybe. A bit, well, baseball's like hockey, but instead of hitting the ball in the air, you're just pushing it around on the ground. Do you have any paranormal stories from sports? Did you Were you a sports guy growing up? Uh, so got about no, a minute not, to nothing. Uh, I mean, I humiliated Joe Namath um, uh, when I was a kid. I, I was a... One summer I was doing caddying at the Medina golf course and they the head caddy told us to bring a football the next day. And we all showed up with footballs and there was this guy signing footballs and I signed my ball and then it started to take off. And one of the other caddies came running up. He's like, no, I'm late. I missed it. And I said, here, I'll trade you. And I threw him my ball and he threw me his. And I said, it's just the guy from the Brady bunch. And Joe Namath stopped and turned around and looked at me and his buddies burst out laughing and they go, he's the guy from the Brady Bunch. I wasn't a football fan, so I had no clue who he was other than he was the guy that showed up in an episode of the Brady Bunch. And uh, awesome. his, I'm sure they still ride him to this day about that moment. Wouldn't surprise me. Dave, we got you for yeah. another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. Dave Schrader right, from let's get the, weird. the Paranormal 60. This is the podcast you want to listen to for all things paranormal, supernatural. We got Dave for another 30 minutes. We'll get into some spooky stories, some of his favorites, and the big question marks that he has regarding the entire phenomenon. Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. Stay tuned. I worked in a in a haunted hockey rink. Did you really? Oh, whatever, Dave. They they in the, my old town, they cut away this hillside, and they built this long. <clears throat> at the bottom of it, they built this industrial area, and we put mm-hmm. our uh, our hockey. My bosses put the hockey training center right at the end, and this place was completely haunted like wow uh the first haunted experience i had there i um i had to open up the building for a a six o'clock practice so i had to be there for 5 a.m and there was no tenant beside us for for at least a football field Mm -hmm. okay and right where I was sitting in my office, from the behind the wall, it was like somebody was taking a sledgehammer to the brick wall behind me. And like mm-hmm. it got to the point where other parents who were coming in with their kids were hearing this. And we go to the to the bay doors to the to the next building beside us, 
and we put the flashlights up and there's nobody there. And, mm-hmm. you know, probably one of the weirdest parts was um, we, our ice machine, I, and this is going to sound weird, but our ice machine caught fire. Okay. Okay. It, it was the first time in this company's history of building ice machines for hockey rinks in like thir- they'd been around for like 40 50 years first time ever a fire broke uh or or uh, wrecked one of their machines mm-hmm. we had uh, i would be cleaning the dressing rooms at night and i would hear hockey pucks being shot off the boards in the plexiglass go out there there's nobody there there's nobody in the we've just been telling students what they should not do it doesn't work we have to educate them instead of telling students don't do drugs i would talk to them about how to find and keep the joy they want and deserve and then i could help them understand how substances steal that joy we hope you'll listen to the mayo lab podcast and tell others about it you will find tools to work with your teams the Mayo Lab podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and everywhere podcasts are distributed. Sign up for the Planet Fitness Black Card for $1 down, $24.99 a month, and get a free Amazon Halo Fitness Tracker. Deal ends March 15th. 12 month commitment applies. See Home Club for details. Building but me. Hmm. And uh, loads of stories. Loads of stories. It it was like the minute you turn the lights off, it got scary in there. The bathrooms, the one bathroom, not both of them, one bathroom would always explode. And you'd clean everything up. And like a day later, there'd be shit all over the walls and everything. Like it exploded. Jesus. And, uh. Uh, my boss at the time, my one boss, because he lived out of town, he would sometimes sleep there overnight, and it would scare him. Like, he would mm-hmm. hear footsteps on the on the tiles and everything. And one day, uh, he actually asked me, he goes, do you ever hear strange things around here? I'm like, yep, all the time, <laughs> right? And, uh, and probably the scariest moment for me was... Um, I went to the bar with my friends and I picked up a girl and I took her back to the hockey rink because we had a couch upstairs and cause she had roommates and I still lived with my parents. So we're looking for a private area and we finally go upstairs and we're chatting away, smooching away, doing what kids do. And all of a sudden I hear the lock on the door open and I jump up. Thank goodness we were still clothed. I jump up. I look out the window down below. There's no cars. But I hear mm-hmm. the lock open from the outside. Door. Her and I hear the door open. Door close. Relock. Footsteps going on the tile to turn up the stairs to where we are. And her and I quietly make our way to the stairs. And nobody comes up the stairs. Mm. I'm like, we're out of here. We're out. That kind of killed the mood. Speaking of a mood killer, uh, remind me of that when we come back. I'll tell you kind of an interesting story that ties into what you just did. Sure. Regarding the Queen Mary in Long Beach, California. Oh, goodness. 
not a story I tell often, so. Well, let's go there. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Once again, if you're in the San Francisco area and you are uh, looking to have some fun in a couple weeks' time, I will be at UFOCon 2023. Go to UFOCon2023.com. Get your tickets today, and you can see speakers such as Science Bob, Sev Talk, Melinda Leslie, all about the aliens. And then just a couple weeks later, Mike, well, six or seven weeks later, we're all heading to Las Vegas for the second annual SOR Fan Party. You are all invited. I need you, if you've filled in your email that, yes, you want tickets, and you've emailed us, return and reply to the email. We need to know if how many tickets you need. If you want VIPs or not, at info at spacedoutradio.com. Here we go, everyone. We passed the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show. And on TikTok, it's Spaced Out Radio. Here we go once again. Dave Schrader, we have him until the top of the hour from the podcast, The Paranormal 60. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. And, you know, during the break, you're like, ask me about this incident on the Queen Victoria. What is it? Queen Victoria? Queen Queen Mary. Queen Mary. Queen Mary. See, all these queens. Yeah. You think me being a part of the Commonwealth, I would know this, right? No, apparently no, you don't. Apparently. Queen Mary is a ship that's... Uh, dry docked in uh, um, Long Beach, California, and it is a hotel resort now, but it is very haunted. A lot of strange activity has taken place there. Um, and I've, I've done these live events since I began my foray into the paranormal uh, 18 years ago. So I go with my listeners all over, like you do, to uh, different venues. Um, and if, if you don't mind me mentioning real quickly, I've yeah, got please. a trip coming up to uh, England later on this year and uh, not only is it a paranormal tour of getting to see some of the amazing haunted sites we're also going to be attending a uk paranormal conference um and more tour after that uh i've got uh, a a weekend event that's taking place at joliet state prison in uh, may and i'll be there with shane Pittman from the holzer files we'll be investigating the joliet state prison in illinois um, then in, in June, we're going to be visiting the Palmer House Hotel in Sauk Center, Minnesota. And if you're any of your listeners are interested in joining me, getting off the couch and getting into the game of the paranormal, they can just go to darknessevents.com, darknessevents.com. See all the great places I'm going to be this year and ways that they can join me. Tickets are on sale for all of those uh, events. And later on this year, I'll be going to New Orleans in November for a haunted tour, ghost hunts, and more. So I keep all that up on the site. Well, this took place, uh, I believe it was in um, the early part of 2012. It was the last year of me doing these big darkness radio events. 
and uh, we'd been doing them for six, seven years already at this point, and it was just getting tiresome, these huge conferences where I'd have two to 300 people, all of these speakers, and it was just getting speakers wanted more and more money and to do less and less at the events and the locations wanted more and more money to give me less access. And it was just getting to be kind of a heartache, but the queen Mary had been going there two to three times a year to do these events. And um, this was our final event. And I was there and we had said good night and, you know, on our final night and everybody went to their rooms and it was about two in the morning and I was just standing in the great ballroom uh, with the girl that I was seeing, the woman I was seeing at the time that, I was just kind of taking it in the moment, the realization this was it. This was our final trip aboard the Queen Mary, our final event. And, uh, you know, just kind of feeling melancholy, and we were holding hands and talking about things. And it was, we started making out, you know, as you want to do in a dark room. All of a sudden, we both stopped and turned our head in the same direction. And then we kind of looked at each other and went back to kissing and then snapped our heads in the other direction at the same time. Uh, while we were making out the peripheral views, we were seeing things getting up from chairs and moving, uh, both of us. And it was like in the same directions and it was, it was crazy. So then we're like kissing and turning our heads to try to see what else is going on in the room around us. And I was like, our, is our kinetic energy giving this thing, uh, the space to, to happen or because we're in a different mental zone you know, in the middle of this kissing session that, uh, you know, we're able to experience something else because we're not focused on an empty room. But it was so strange that it was in these moments of just kind of bliss and making out and enjoying each other's company that we would see figures get up and walk around in the room around us and we were both experiencing it. So that was that was another one of those really weird, I, I can't explain this kind of moment. My goodness. I mean, yeah. how do you, how do you uh, get back into it, Dave, after having the emotions interrupted by the ghosts? I'm I'm about science, Dave, and it's all about science. And if I have to make sweet, sweet love to the person I care about in order to have a paranormal experience, I'm I'm going to do it, Dave Scott. Is this what you tell I'm Winnie? That committed. Is this what you tell Winnie all the time? Yes, yeah, honey, come on, we're doing it for science, not for pleasure. All right. Yes, there's ghosts around, honey. <laughs> Winnie, there's ghosts around. We got to get the yeah. we got to get the research on. That's right. No, I don't want to create portals by making sweet, sweet love. But it was weird. It was an interesting factor because again, our our consciousness was not based on the room. It was into each other. But that was like in those moments when we were not hyper focused on something else. That it was like then we could see through that veil. It was very strange. That is weird and amazing at, <laughs> at the same yeah. time. You know, speaking of portals, we started talking about this mm -hmm. on your show a little bit earlier. And, uh, you know, uh, let's talk about it now. What do you think's happening with these portals? Where do you think people are going, this whole David Politis missing 411 stuff? I I don't know, man. I You know, it's there's that story that came out a few years ago that was baffling, right? Where that little, like, what was it? A four-year-old kid went missing on the side of the mountain, was gone for like two days and they finally found him and he's in good health. And he talked about the giant bear that was taking care of him and would hold his hand and walk around. And, and, you know, it sounds like he was describing a Sasquatch. Uh, you know, is there this cryptid world is, are, are there these time slips and portals that we run into? 
Um, and sometimes we just slip through those moments in fabric and time. It's fascinating to, to hypothesize and talk about, I, you know, obviously without being able to see it open and, and happen in front of you, it's, it's hard to consider, you know, you talked about, um, on my show earlier talking about UFOs and things that you saw. And you talked about one ship that had these like barbell looking things on the bottom. And, uh, and then it was, as it was flying, it just seemed to vanish into an unseen doorway. I wonder if these are things like uh, the Philadelphia experiment, you know, how they ran the copper along the sides of the ship and they were putting a charge through to kind of reach a vibrational level that they were making the ship appear invisible, but it was still there. But what they were doing was really kind of shaking up the molecules of time and space. And reportedly because of what they were doing, people were fused to the deck. Uh, A lot of very strange aspects of the story, right? So I wonder if these UFOs are cloaking themselves in plain sight by creating a high vibrational level, which could be what, you know, areas like the, the Alaskan Triangle, the uh, Bermuda Triangle, things like that, where ships and and boats are vanishing to never be seen again, are they because there are craft in those area creating a, a temporal vortex that things are passing through? And, you know, they're, they're appearing somewhere else, maybe like we mentioned earlier in another reality uh, uh slightly off from this where they're boom they pop through and the world is okay for them they don't notice it because it's just subtly different or maybe even you know planet of the apes stuff where they're popping in and and the world's populated by orangutans running the place who knows it's the possibilities are endless but that's the excitement of thinking and allowing the imagination to come to life and consider those options would you walk in if you saw a portal or one of those stairways in the middle of a forest that they say you're not supposed to walk up on, would you do it? Boy, the explorer in me wants to say yes, but I love my family so much to think about not seeing them again, not hearing the giggles of my grandchildren, the cuddles of my wife and daughters. And and I I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know if I would trade all that in for stepping into the twilight zone. I don't know. You know, the, the you know what I mean? That the, the philosopher and explorer in me would want to have that experience. I was on an episode of ghost adventures at the stardust ranch in Arizona. And, uh, I put myself in a place where, you know, there were large mother craft that were seen hovering over it. And when they put me up there, I turned in my phone and my walkie-talkie. And they're like, are you nuts? You're up on a mountain by yourself? I'm like, listen, if they've come across the universe, they're going to know if I have a way to call for help. I am being sincere in my want and desire to have this experience. So I can't give myself an out. I've got to be a part of it. And um, I feel I feel like I, at that moment, I probably would have stepped in to the craft and gone with them. I, you know, if an alien ship came to me and said, we'll take you and it will be remarkable, you'll see amazing things. But by the time we bring you back, your family and friends will all be dead. I don't know that I could do it as much as I would love to have that experience. I don't know that I could do it. See, I look at it, I look at it this way. If, if I had the opportunity to have a craft land in front of me again, 
like mm-hmm. like in 2014, I would walk right. up to it. If the door opened and they said, come on in, we're going for a ride, I, I would think I would have the cojones to say, yes, right. I'm going up on that. I won't know until I get to that situation, but I want that opportunity. But, but what if they were honest with you, as, as as the aliens have been in the past, and they said, "We're going. If you want, we will take you." But when we return you, it will be a different time. You, the people you love will be gone. Would you still make that trek? Would you go? That's the only thing holding me back. Like if all my kids and family had passed and I'm 98 years old and an alien stops by and says, let's go for a ride. I'm on it. Let's do it. Um, right now. I don't know that I could, man. Really. I, 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 when I'm gone too long for my family, my heart hurts. My soul hurts. I don't know that I could knowingly go unless I knew I'd be back within a week, (laughs) a week I'm good with. (laughs) See, if it was Bigfoot, Uh if it was Bigfoot, and I chased him down, and he killed me in the forest because mm-hmm. he I was annoying him, and he he decided mm-hmm. to flick me in the head and you know cracked my skull, and I died right there. I'm looking mm-hmm. at that one as you know when I get to the gates, Saint Pete's going to say, "Hey man, what happened to you?" Saint Pete, you're not going to believe this, man. I died by a Sasquatch. I think that's a good death. I right. do. I do. Right. Right. I'm always fearful. That's what I tell people. I go, listen. What if you? This is your moment, and you die, and and God goes. So, how did you spend the last few moments, uh, cowering in a corner, terrified? Or I stepped up and went into the spaceship. Yeah, all right, good for you, buddy. Good for you See, for taking that, that chance. So, I kind of feel like you're right on that, but I'm also, you know, I don't want to be dead. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to come back a thousand years from now, and uh, you know. I missed the end of the Marvel movies. I, I'm i I'm a fickle guy that way, Dave. Well, the one thing I do know is if a spaceship did bring me back a thousand mm-hmm. years later, I still know two things are guaranteed. Number one, my Canucks will not have won a Stanley Cup. Number two, I do get to laugh because the Toronto Maple Leafs still won't have a Stanley Cup since 1967. Okay, so mm-hmm. one, it's going to be bittersweet. You know, a thousand <laughs> years, it's going to be bittersweet. You know, but I I honestly have thought about that. Would I go? Would I go? And I have to say, at this moment, as much as I love my family, my children, my home, and everything, I I think I would. I think I would go, just to experience something that is that incredible. You know, if All right, well, what what would you do? do you, somebody that you love that's passed. If I could tell you without a shadow of a doubt, Dave, I can bring this person through for you. You're going to see them and you will get a half an hour to talk to them, but it will pull five years of your life away. Would you do it? Knowing you'd get to see that person one more time? No. No? No. Well, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. No. No, you know, and I can honestly say no. Because I know I'll meet him on the other side. We can have a party then. Right? Just keep the beer cold. Yeah. <laughs> if there ain't no beer in heaven, then I don't want to go. Isn't that how the old polka song goes? Well, for me, it's Taco Bell. But, you know. Ah. <laughs> you know, I mean. But the, honestly, though, these mm-hmm. questions, 
we may talk about, it may sound like we're fantasizing here, but what about all those people who've gone on spaceships, allegedly, and never come back? Or they've been taken and never returned? We've heard those stories before. Granted, they're only stories, but what if just one of them is true? Mm-hmm. We, you can't deny the question. Right. Or the, see, I did a great show uh, and I don't mean to sound egotistical on this, but I did a fun show a number of years ago, this woman, and she, she does all these conspiracy videos about Michael Jackson having faked his own death. And I love a good story like the Beatles, Paul McCartney is dead story, or did Elvis fake his death? I followed that down the rabbit hole with Gail Brewer, Giorgio, and and had a fascinating conversation. And I talked to this Pearl about uh, Michael And at one point she's messaging me and she goes, because she claims he's alive and that she talks to him on the regular. And she goes, he's calling in. And I happen to look over and my call screener at the station hangs up the phone. And I go, who was that? And he goes, I don't know, some guy calling himself Peter Pan. Um, But I told him we're not taking calls. I said, take his call. And I told her, uh, my my call screener didn't know, uh, and I told him we weren't taking calls tonight because out of respect for her, I didn't want people calling in and just berating her. I wanted to go down the rabbit hole of fun with her. And boy, if you look at the album covers and weird stuff she shares, it gets you questioning some things. And uh, the phone rings, and he nods, and I go, all right, we have our guest on the line uh, joining us now. And this guy comes on, and Dave Scott, he was Michael Jackson. And I'm watching the chat room blow up. Half the people are, oh, my God, that is Michael. The other half are like, are you insane? This is, you know, th- this is heresy. You, you, How are you allowing this to happen? And I'm having this conversation. And I painted him into a corner. And I said, you know, he's like, you could call me Peter. And I'm like, I'm not going to call you Peter Pan. We know who you are. You know who you are. That's what you're calling into the show. So I do... I do have to ask you this question, though. Your daughter, Paris, just tried to commit suicide two days ago. Why are you calling into a radio station talking like nothing's going on? And there's this brief pause, and then he and Pearl kind of explain that things aren't as they appear. And, uh, you know, she's having an issue, but she's not in a bad, bad way. And so I have this weird kind of deal. And then they bring up other strange points to me about... Um, I, I go, well, the, there's a man in jail for the murder of Michael Jackson. And they're like, he's not really in jail. He's in a minimum security wing that, you know, he has a lot of freedom. And they're like, have you heard the phone call between him and Paris? He was, Dr. Murray was leaving voicemails for Paris when she went in the hospital and, and they were putting him out on, on the internet. And it did not sound like a guy that murdered somebody's father. He was like, Paris, you know, your dad is proud of you. And, It was very in-the-moment conversation as opposed to, you know, your father would be proud of you or your father wouldn't want this to happen. It was very strange, but we had this great conversation, and I watched the Internet melt down. And then at the end of it, I I thanked him. I said, listen, uh, claims aside, you were never found. We've just been telling students what they should not do. It doesn't work. We have to educate them instead of telling students don't do drugs. I would talk to them about how to find and keep the joy they want and deserve. And then I could help them understand how substances steal that joy. We hope you'll listen to the Mayo Lab podcast and tell others about it. You will find tools to work with your teens 
the Mayo Lab podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are distributed. When you stay at a Verbo, you always get the whole home. The whole upstairs, the whole downstairs, and the whole nap room. Only whole vacation homes. Always all yours. Book on the Verbo app. I'm guilty for any of these things. So let's put that aside. Let me just say that if this is you, thank you for the music, thank you for the memories, and thank you for the years of entertainment and self-sacrifice. And then I, I, he said goodbye, and then I said, you know, folks, whether you want to believe or not is completely up to you. But what if one of the wealthiest and most eccentric men in the world did pull off faking his own death and five years from now comes back out into the public eye and for one brief moment in time, he called a little Minnesota radio station and you were there. It's all about the what ifs. Absolutely. It's about the possibilities. And it was so magical to have that moment. And I loved it. That was truly, that still goes down as one of my favorites. I mean, I had him on again when I hosted midnight in the desert and uh, had her on to talk about it. Uh, he had lost the ability to sound like Michael, whoever this person was. He could not maintain the, the voice like the original guy did. Uh, and it was a, a severe disappointment, but it was a lesson. And uh, But the first one still goes down as one of my all-time favorite interviews because, again, it's about the what-ifs. Absolutely. The I love it. Yeah. Do you, ever, do you ever go into your chat rooms or look at your followers of the show and wonder, I wonder if there's any famous people who listen to my show. Now, I know you got a lot of famous people outside the paranormal world. You're very good friends with professional wrestler and Fozzie frontman, Chris Jericho. God bless the Canadian Mm -hmm. kid. And, uh, you know, um, you've got a number of other celebrities who, who have followed you. But have you ever had somebody reach out from one of your chat rooms and, and just say, hey, I want to chat with you. But I can't tell you who my real name is, you know, publicly. I'll tell you privately. Have you ever had that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had it a couple of times. And I actually, uh, another celebrity, somebody that I really love and respect, uh, a representative of his that I know truly works with him, uh, took me aside and he goes, hey, blah, 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 wanted me to let you know that he loves your show. He listens all the time and he loves your questioning. He loves your vulnerability and willingness to go down any kind of rabbit hole with people to let the stories because it's all about entertainment and and theater of the mind and allowing people to make up their own choices. But he, he listens all the time. You've got his attention. And that was great for me. So knowing that there are a few people out there that you make that connection with and then there are other people that you know, I've been very open uh, in a, I don't want to get into name dropping, but there's been a lot of them that, you know, are, are friends and followers of the show and have appeared on the show multiple times, you know, comedian and actress, Brett Butler as one yeah, of them. We've and, had her, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, just, I, I, there's been some people like that, that uh, I'm, I'm very proud and privileged to get a chance to chat with off the beaten path. And, and this, this career has given me the opportunity to meet three of my uh, movie star celebrity crushes who are friends and fans of what I do as well. And uh, that man, it's just amazing. Two minutes to go. What, what's it mm-hmm. like, you know, when, when Chris Jericho gets a hold of you and says, dude, I got some paranormal stuff I need to talk to you about. I love it. And, and I love the fact that he trusts me and, 
you know, he just, uh, we just did our fourth cruise together, the Jericho cruise. His fifth cruise is coming up in January of 2025. And uh, it's already 90% sold out. It's, but I'm his paranormal contingent. And, you know, he told me in very plain terms after this fourth cruise, he goes, you have the job as long as you want it. And it's, that's a privilege that I don't take lightly that, he trusts me to entertain and, and do what I do. And he loves what I do. And, and the people love what I do when I'm on the ship. And so that to me is, is awesome. I just, that's a Sweet. real pleasure. And, but I love hearing their stories, you know, Dr. Luther uh, came on the show and Anthony Bowens uh, came on the show and talked about their paranormal experiences. I've talked to Cody Rhodes and, and uh, uh, many of the different uh, wrestlers, some that want to go on record, some that just want to tell me their stories behind the scenes. And I've met musicians and comedians and actors that have told me their stories. It's, it's great. Only if you could put them all in a book or, or a live radio show. I mean, cause some of them just want you to be so quiet about it. You know, mm-hmm. but when you get that gem of a story from somebody, you're like, really? You've had the paranormal? It's awesome. We got 30 seconds with you tonight, Mr. Schrader. Our night of radio on your end and on my end is coming mm-hmm. to an end. Tell everybody where they can find the Paranormal 60. You can find the Paranormal 60 audio podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And do me a favor, rate and review uh, the podcast, mine and Dave's, uh, because that does help us get even more exposure and expand our brands. Uh, you can also find me at the Paranormal 60 YouTube channel and keep up with me. Come on out on the road. See these things for yourself at darknessevents.com. Dave, I'll talk to you in another two months on my show, Absolutely. and maybe we can make another we'll visit do, together we'll do and do a double nighter. We'll do another double nighter. I've had so much fun I tonight, Dave. Uh, thank you for being a friend and everything that you do for the paranormal world. You're a real gem to all of us. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp. Then our resident Timbit, little Timmy Senor, will be here for the UFO report. Spaced Out Radio continues. Hour 3 next. Stay tuned. God, I love shrades. Love shrades. That was great time. Great time. We're going to get into more aliens in a couple months on his show. I'll be right back, guys. You stay tuned. Don't leave. Don't leave. No leaving.
What a great show. What a great show. Thank you, everybody, for a wonderful night of radio. Uh, thank you to Dave Schrader for bringing me on his show. And every couple months, we're going to do this. We've Dave and I are going to do a double up and uh, have some fun with that. So, gosh, it's cold out. It's really cold out. I'm getting tired of the cold. Uh, oh, yes, I have to remind all of you again, if you haven't heard already, uh, if you have emailed in for tickets for our Vegas event, May 19th through 21st, uh, we've we've got like 45 emails of people wanting to come and get tickets, except we haven't heard from about 35 of you. So if you have emailed in to cat at info at spacedoutradio.com for tickets, whether they are VIP or not, we need to know the VIP t- numbers because uh, sales for VIP tickets are shutting down on April 1st. And we need to know who is coming and who is not because we got to get your swag bags ready. This is all about you guys. We got to get the swag bags ready. So if you could email us back at info at spacedoutradio.com with your tickets that yes, you're in, yes, you're coming, we would greatly appreciate that. That helps us out quite a bit. Okay. And uh, uh, I know there's a number of people, even in our chat room, who haven't emailed back yet. We really appreciate it because we got to get the numbers uh, to figure out how many, how much. Uh, well, we're building the swag bags is what it comes down to. And we want to make sure that we have the swag bags for everybody who's coming uh, for the VIP tickets and the VIP party and, and everything that goes on. We got a lot of cool stuff that's coming in and we want to make sure that everybody is taken care of. So if you could do that for us, email in at space info at spacedoutradio.com, confirm your tickets, pay, get your tickets paid for. And, uh, we'd really appreciate it. Everyone. It really helps us out. Thank you tonight to Stacy, science, Bob, Sally, Kira, Nancy, H, Ed, Steven in the UK and, and B for the amazing super chats tonight. We very much appreciate it. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on a nightly basis. Here comes our number three of the show right now. Stay tuned. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate Earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clan Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Nep Nepenth. Nepenth? Is that it? Nepenth is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you 
Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller is about to take us on another creepy journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. So I live in a city... And one night, I was with a girl. We are both middle-aged in our late 30s or early 40s at the time. I am now 48 years old. One night, her and I decided to go to a cemetery as lovers do. We have been to this cemetery a couple of times previously, always at nighttime though. This cemetery is rather big and has two halves. Well, this night I decided to pull into the half we never went into together. I have been to this half plenty of times. I used to carry my flat bottom boat to the pond that butts up to the cemetery to fish. So, this night we pulled in and exit the car. The weather was rather nice. It was a nice summer night, good conditions, stars and full bloom. We are standing at the hood of the car. We had not been out there for more than five minutes if I had to guess. Now, it is pitch dark outside and there is no noise at all. No bugs. No cars in the distance. It was total silence. Just her and I. It was the only sound that we could discern. As we were standing there, I was getting ready to embrace her. And out of nowhere, we hear this deep growl. Now, I know how a dog's growl sounds. And this definitely was not a dog or a coyote. There is not much wildlife in this part of the city anyhow. This growl was in my face. It was not below my belt as if it were a dog or something. I stand six feet tall, and this growl was face level, and it penetrated through my chest. It was very vocal and strong. It was like a warning. I felt the growl go through my upper body. Without hesitation, we both immediately jumped in the car, and yes, I immediately hit the car lights as I was jumping in. I had to see what it was, because I just knew it was not anything of normalcy. When the lights were on, there was absolutely nothing there, just an empty cemetery. I could not believe what I was looking at. Something was literally eye level with me and gave me a warning of some sort, and then it just disappeared. It happened so fast, and how could it just be gone like that? Once in the car, I asked her what she thought about it. She said that she did not know, but that growl went through my entire body and that she wanted to leave. Since that experience, I have not gone back in there. Not even to fish. To this day, I still wonder what the hell that was. I don't think it was any sort of wildlife. Well, I hope this is a good story and makes your list. Either way, I will never forget this night. And that's why we love the Swamp Dweller around here, taking us on a creepy journey. Each and every night, Monday through Friday, to kick off hour number three. And we love them here. And if you like that story and you want more, go over to youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. And you can hear thousands of stories just like that for free. 
from the swamp to the stars. It is that time of the night once again where we head on over to little Timmy Senor down in Oregon. Let's drive the I-5 for the UFO report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. It's always a good time to have Tim Senor here, the Timinator, the Timbit, Timmy, whatever you want to call him. We love him around here. That's a nice shirt you're wearing tonight, Tim. I'm not going to lie. That is a nice shirt. It's not for everyone. You either love it or hate it. You know, it's been called a bowling shirt here and there, I think, by friends and family. But, uh, you know, bowlers are athletes. So who do you think you are? (laughs) I am. Remember that? Pete Weber? Who do you right. think you are? I am. Most powerful bowling quote that doesn't make sense ever. <laughs> right. It leaves you wondering, what does that mean? True. But yeah, have your have your tailor call my tailor. We'll see if we can get you one of these babies. I need one. I need one. Uh, I better mm-hmm. hit up my fashionista, Kira, to see if she will approve of Dave getting a shirt like that. It's pretty wicked. It is a nice shirt. It's a very nice shirt. It's not for everyone, though. Yeah. yeah. It's only not for everyone if you can't find the size. Okay. Or astigmatism. Right. Lots of uh, UFO news coming up here, uh, going on here. And Ross Coulthard, journalist extraordinaire from Australia, who has been all over this UFO topic, regarding disclosure, regarding everything that's kind of going on with it. Uh, He was on a Twitter space earlier, and he had some pretty profound comments of things that you and I had been talking about, along with Random Guy recently, about UFOs and whether or not they're being hidden in plain sight. Uh, Take us down this road. Yeah, it was um, earlier today, Ross Coldhart was um, openly discussing his opinions and perhaps um, giving his opinion based on some of his knowledge and research. And within that discussion, um, he did come out and say that he suspects that whistleblowers are revealing to Congress currently that there is an existence of a legacy UFO program and non-human intelligence. And he expects that information to leak at some point simply because that's the way the government works, that it it tends to leak. Uh, So it's really interesting information. And he does think that the world is on the cusp of a momentous change. So definitely profound words coming from uh, from Ross. But what do you consider he means by this momentous change? Is that the understanding of an alien presence here? I don't know. I, I'm going to bring up the audio here, okay, because I want our audience to be able to hear it. This is from a Twitter right. space earlier on today, and hopefully uh, this works. Because I'm always unsure about this kind of stuff when we do it. So hopefully it works and uh, we can kind of get this uh, going here. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leftovers. Or... The DMV. Number 97. Or... House cleaning. Or... Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I can tell you there are people other than Lou Elizondo who are coming forward, who are giving evidence both to ARO and the Congress, and there are others lining up who have far more to tell than Elizondo. I, I really can tell you there is room for optimism here. We are looking at, I think, quite astonishing revelations coming out in the Congress. And yes, I, I appreciate most of them are being made in secure skiffs, secure compartmentalised information facilities where secrets aren't meant to leak. But as we all know, the Congress does leak and will leak. And um, I think, you know, if, for example, the existence of a legacy program or a non-human intelligence is revealed to Congress, as I suspect it is, um, it will come up. And um, I, I do think that the world is on the cusp of momentous change. I really do. And I, I'm loving it. It's fantastic because I'm speaking to some of the people who are either weighing giving evidence or have given evidence, and boy, if they've told the Congress what they've told me, it's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Now, I know you're very pro-whistleblower on this, and I have kind of been more skeptical about all of this, but when you hear that comment from Ross, what are your first thoughts, Tim? Oh, well, quite honestly, I, I listened to the entire recording, and within that, he does say that he suspects that some of these whistleblowers are scientists. And so that leads me down the road that I could guess that perhaps one of those whistleblowers was, per se, Gary Nolan, hypothetically. And so we know the story that Gary Nolan talks about. And so that would be pretty mind-blowing if that was the kind of information being passed on to Congress. Gary Nolan claims to be an experiencer of the phenomena as well, which is what has him, well, it's kind of motivated him to become one of the top scientists, not only in this field, but at Stanford University, a very prestigious school down in California as well. I mean, one of the things that I, I took from it was it almost seems that there is this hidden group of people who are in the know. And it's a very small group of people who are in the know. You know, and recently we've kind of been joking on this show that maybe, maybe uh, you know, Banachek from T Transformers, the original one in 2008, who allegedly worked for Sector 7, okay, maybe that isn't so far off as we speak. Now, we've asked Random Guy about that, 
And he has said, no, I don't see that happening. You know, he's very much, you know, in the know with information that he knows. But I I don't know. I mean, your thoughts. Do you think there is some sort of hidden agenda or hidden group in there that is maybe steering the entire UFO story and narrative? Well, I think that there's definitely a drive towards certain narratives. So we know that there's a push for the fact that there are things in our airspace that we need to be aware of that are mundane. Now let's push all of that aside and focus on the the stuff that isn't. And I feel like there is definitely an interest there. And in fact, you and I had talked quite recently about there being a civilian oversight committee at some point where we could get information like this and not have to sit back and wait on our laurels for information, but we, but all of us be within the know at the same time. And I would love to just tell you right now that I discovered recently that there is, in fact, a dedicated civilian oversight committee that has been established for the exact purpose of keeping the public informed in the ongoing public disclosure on UAP. And so created by Robert Salas, the formation of the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Action Committee, or the UAPAC. And so this was actually announced back in September of 2022. But this is an ongoing um, push to put information in the public's hands and you can go to their website and get information um, up to date information. In fact, even on the current whistleblowers that may be talking to Congress from this source. And so we don't have to feel so out of touch with a committee like this working in our favor. And so if you'd like more information on that, I'm happy to read on it because I have their website up. We, but do, we do have time. So give credit to the website and then read it up. Absolutely. And so this is through Newswires. And the news was provided by UAPAC. And again, that was an organization created by Robert Salas, who we know is a massive uh, purveyor of this topic in front of the White House. So that is going to be established September 1st, um, coming forward with the acknowledgement by the U.S. Director of National Intelligence in 2021 that the UAP probably do represent physical objects and present phenomenon that must be understood in the interest of flight safety and national security. It is now incumbent upon government to begin the process informing the public of their knowledge of the phenomenon. And so government transparency has been practically non-existent with respect to the UAP phenomenon, and the excessive secrecy with respect to the UAP has existed for at least 80 years. And to address this issue, Congress enacted laws to require more openness about UAP. However, it repeats, repeat, I'm sorry, remains to be seen how the Pentagon and the intelligence community will respond to the groundbreaking legislative requirements. And so in consideration of the fact that governments are slow to act, politicians are generally not qualified to assimilate the technical scope of such a phenomenon in a dedicated and timely manner, and that discovery and disclosure are subject to political influences. 
a dedicated civilian oversight committee has been established for the purpose of keeping the public informed in the ongoing and pertinent public disclosure on UAP. And so the UAPAC will advocate for greater openness, engage in review of the activities of the Congressional UAP Oversight Committees, offer support to those who help advocate I'm sorry, to help advance the study of UAP and take steps that ensure a fair and impartial review of the UAP itself. And so the mission statement of the UAPAC is to provide information to the public about disclosure activities of our government and its elected and appointed officials regarding the UAP and challenges that disclosure represents to the peoples of the world. And so it's pretty simple and straightforward. And then it just goes on to detail from this source um, information. So uh, such as the UAP calls or UAPAC calls for open congressional hearings on uh, the UAP phenomenon. And the All Anomaly Resolution Office or ARROW receives testimony of interference by UAP with nuclear missiles. And so by going to that, you can go to the actual testimony that took place and you can find out all of the details that are given in front of Congress as each whistleblower comes forward. And so information like this is out there and we just need to look for it. It's going to be one of these things that we are going to start seeing a lot more of, though. And again, with this inference from Ross Coldheart, we can definitely see that some of the players in the UAP world are definitely stepping up to the plate and going before Congress. And so we're just going to have to dig to find out who those people are. One question I do have is we got about four and a half minutes. With all of these so-called whistleblowers that are coming forward and giving their testimony in private quarters. What is wrong with doing this publicly? I have a beef with that. I don't understand where, you know, the U.S. government or any government in general, it's it's not just a U.S. government who does this, but any government in general will have private quarters meetings like this when yet when Twitter or Facebook or any of the other monster uh, uh, social media pages where they were caught censoring people are put right in the front in front of the cameras getting questions grilled by them by the politicians in regards to you know getting answers why are we not allowed to have the answers when it comes to this subject? And don't give me, and I'm not saying this to you, Tim, I'm saying this in general. Don't give me the national security rhetoric. Because if Robert Salas is talking about it, he's already gone public. If Kevin Day from the USS Nimitz has gone public, we already know his story. If Gary Nolan from Stanford University has testified, we already know his story. So what is the big secret here? What You know, you can always blur out someone's face. 
If they don't want to be on camera, you can always pixelate their face and you can, you know, change the sound of their voice if it's a security agent that you want to keep in the dark, like another Elizondo or somebody like that. But even with Elizondo, if he testified, I want his story. When do we get to deserve what we want? Tim, your thoughts. Yeah, and I mean, I quite honestly agree with you, but I'm not going to spill out the whole ways and means should be kept from us because of secrecy. I'm not going to spill out my theory of why it's it's kept secret because I think we both can guess why. Um, but I, I honestly do feel that there's an element of it that they don't feel like we can handle as the public. And I don't think it's the how they got the information or our technology or any of that. I feel like there's an element that is probably, you know, the 5% of the conversation maybe that they talk about, you know, once they get down to the nitty gritty. And I, I would consider that the part that they don't want the public to know that may be that ET reality that they don't want to talk about, you know, because they aren't really even prepared to react to it yet you know they're still very much in the learning stage right and so a lot of that would be kept hush hush and let's consider for a moment that that is the element that they're keeping hush hush maybe for some reason they're waiting to release it in a way that we will be able to handle i i'm only assuming but if you were to go with the breadcrumbs that have been led by people that seem to know, you can assume that at some point there will be a breakthrough. Even Ross Coldheart says that, you know, we're close to a momentous change. And I tend to agree with that. It does feel like we're ramping up to something. What is that something? So we've got about 30 seconds. Well, I feel like that something would be the ET conversation. Whether they just softly hit us with, we need to be prepared for something from outside our solar system. Fantastic. Let's talk about that. Or even just off, off this planet. I think, you know, that's enough for, for most people in the public realm. Just the discussion of being prepared, I think, would be the breakthrough topic. All right. Tim Senor, we're going to get you to hold on right there because we are going to go to our final break of the night here on Spaced Out Radio. Our resident Timbit. Tim Senor and the UFO Report continues right after this. And when we get back, some UFO names like Stephen Greenstreet, George Knapp, and Jeremy Corbell kind of get into it at an alien UFO conference in California. We will be right back on Spaced Out Radio. All right, we're clear. <clears throat> Dave, you know you're in a funny place in the media when you're reporting the reporters in the news. Like, <laughs> it happens reporting sometimes. on the reporters, <clears throat> it happens, yeah. It's it just happens interesting. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. 
I've got a couple other little chunks to drop on you that you may oh. not be ready for. Fudge? <laughs> are they fudge? Are we, is RG hanging out tonight? I don't or? know. RG, are you coming in later? See if I, I don't have chat up, so. Let's see if I got his uh, Twitter up here. Because I guess that could kind of guide how I roll this out. Yeah, we'll throw him the old message here. If he wants to join us, he can. So when I asked my family if I would be missed if I just disappeared one day, the the only reason that they said they would notice is because dinner wouldn't be there. They're like they'd be like, Where's dinner? Has anyone seen dinner? Isn't that just the funniest thing for them to <laughs> collectively respond with? I guess that's my Contribution to the family. Unbelievable. Oh, and <laughs> I did get a wink and someone said, when will we get, or no, where will we get our fake UFO news? <sighs> fake UFO news. Nice. Wow. I don't know where to start with that. I don't know either. Jokesters. Jokesters is what they are. Laughing. Yeah. Timbits. Wait till I become the intimidator. Right? Uh, you got a lot of timming to do before then. A lot of timming. I'm enjoying that. Well, I'll tim it up. Yeah, random guy. I've sent you. Uh, I've sent you the uh, the link on Twitter. It's random Monday, guy. Random Monday. You never know what you're gonna get with that guy. Will it be wig? Will it be shirt? Maybe. Maybe. You looking forward to uh, Las Vegas there, Timmy? Yeah. It, it's, is it coming up soon? I'm already booked in. I have no – is it soon? Two months. Just over two months. Two months. Okay. I got time. All right. Got to make a little a Vegas pile in the shoebox. Money to burn, right? Mm-hmm. You can't go to Vegas looking to win. You just can't. You just got to look at this. No, you'll just money. wait for me to go to sleep again. That was just timing. Before you go I was trying to get rid of what I had left in my pockets. I had some tickets. and 500 bones. Immediately, he was walking. I don't even know if you were in the elevator at the time. If you looked right, you might have seen me with a crazy look on my face. But I didn't want to tell you the whole time. Did I even? I didn't tell you, did I? Until later. <clears throat> Unbelievable. You told me the next morning when we went for breakfast. There we go. Yeah. It's good smelling stuff here. What are you spraying? Uh, it's called uh, uh, 
Black Moon Aromatherapy Mist. And it smells Ooh. like a... Black Moon. Smells like an orange... What is it? It's a, it's a blend of citrus, vanilla, black pepper, uplift, and inspire. Yeah. Wow, dude. It's just a... You seem like a beard oil guy. I am Do a you beard oil, oil. Thing? I can oil it right now. You oil your beard? You have to. Do you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've heard of it. You just drop a little... If you had a mustache, you just, would you twirl it? You just drop a little bit in your hand like that. Okay. And then you... He's got beard oil, y'all. Oh, just perfect. And is there... A, what's the, what is the element to that? Is that a spicy thing? No, but it's time to go on the air, so you got to keep quiet. Here we go. Third, we're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Little Timmy Sino, our resident Timbit, continues on with the UFO report and little controversy, controversy happening at a UFO conference called AlienCon down in, I believe, Pasadena, California, where journalist George Knapp and documentarian uh, Jeremy Corbell got into a couple of heated questions with New York Post reporter and resident UFO skeptic and UFO topic hater uh, Stephen uh, Greenstreet. What went on here, man? Yeah, um, so I'll just give you a breakdown because Stephen Greenstreet went ahead and tweeted the whole situation that took place at the event. And so I'm just going to give this to you as the tweet reads. And so in part one of the tweet, Stephen Greenstreet says, I had the opportunity to ask questions during the Q and a panel with George Knapp and Jeremy Corbell at alien con. And at that moment, Stephen Greenstreet with the New York's, uh, I'm sorry, Greenstreet asked, uh, he says, Stephen Greenstreet with the New York Post, I have a few questions for you. And he says, ha, George is laughing. I have a few questions for you, but I'll ask the one that I'm personally curious about. Curious about your insight. So the briefing slides that Dre Stratton produced with the Green Triangles. Those have been demonstrated pretty clearly to be out of focus stars. What I'm, and then Jeremy interrupts here and says, hold on, hold on, hold on. You can ask a question, but let's make sure because you're holding a microphone right now. Your opinion publicly right here is that 
those have been demonstrated to be out of focus stars. That's your opinion, just to make sure we get that straight. So now continue with your question. And then Green Street continues and says, okay. And even Travis Taylor has come out and said that he believes that these are out of focus stars. My question, why so much restraint in star explanation? What do you have that makes you say, no, the star's explanation doesn't make sense? And something like flying pyramids makes more sense than out-of-focus stars. And so George Knapp uh, decides to answer the question and says, you'll hear it this afternoon from Jay Stratton. There's a lot more information that was available behind the scenes than was made public. And I know that Mr. Bray, during the public hearing, showed a video of something that was Boca on the East Coast and decided and that proved what was seen on the West Coast was the same thing. There's a rangefinder. They shot that off the deck of that ship. Whatever that object was that was closest was 700 feet off the deck of the ship. If it had been Boca, as it was explained to me, by the guys who studied it and prepared that report, you know, the three PhDs, the optical physicist that analyzed that stuff, and they figured it, that if Boca was the explanation, it would be the stars that look like pyramids, not the object that was close to the ship. But, you know, I'm not an expert on that stuff. I do listen to people who are experts as opposed to people online who do their own analysis from home. And they have a lot more information than what was made public. And, you know, I wish I had access to it all. Corbell chimes in and says, It sounds like you know it's funny the way you premise things before you ask the question. All the premises up that question are really interesting to me. So the thing is this, you're saying that I have an opinion on something. Well, you clearly have not been listening to anything that I've said since we released those images, but that's okay. My wife claims I have selective hearing, which I think might be true, but we can talk about it. Green Street asks, you said these were pyramids just yesterday. Corbell says, I think what we should do is we should have people talk for themselves. So I think Travis Taylor should talk for himself. I think Jay Stratton should talk for himself. But when you ask somebody what did they have their opinion on or but your premise with all that stuff, the reason I have an opinion is because maybe I have spent a lot of time understanding it on a deeper level. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, that's not an isolated thing. And just maybe that's a much bigger part of the thing that occurred. But I think the distinguishing thing is that in Jay's slide, the triangles from an angle of observation, yet pyramid in shape and other documents, let's hear what Jay has to say. Knapp says, tell you what, this afternoon, I'm going to be talking to Jay and Travis, and I plan to ask them about it. And I'm happy to expand on that. And then Green Street says, thank you, Jeremy. So you believe that those are not stars in the slide, but flying pyramids. You personally believe that. And this is when the alien con security breaks in. So he breaks in and says, you only get one question. 
And Corbell says, so you want some quote that you can take out of context and put in some magazine or what? And then that's just part one. <laughs> part two starts out with Green Street saying, I was just curious what you thought. Alien Con security breaks in again. You only get one question. I love that this is included. Corbell says, so basically, here's the deal. If you want to know what I think, you should just go and look at everything that what I've said about it. I'm convinced that what you're seeing there, there's a shape to what it is. It's representative of what you're seeing. But the thing is, let's say I'm wrong. Right. Let's find out. Let's go deeper. Let's go into this information together. Because, again, I'm not hanging my hat on a single image produced by our military. That's their job. What I do is put it out and report on what they reported. But I don't think that this is the time or place to be dealing with it with this much energy. And then Knapp says, and I think we reported on it and basic, I'm sorry, and I think we reported it based on what they said. So what we are saying is they said from the angle of observation that it appeared to be pyramids. Green Street says, thank you, guys. And then that was it. The crowd was probably dead silent with their jaws on their laps. Wow. We know there's no love lost between George Knapp, Jeremy Corbell, and and their team and skeptics like Mick West or New York Post Stevens Green Street. You know, I have uh I have my own opinions on this where I think there is a real divisiveness within the UFO community that starts with people like Green Street and and West who are out there not to be debunkers but out there to try and shame people for giving this this topic a little bit more credence than maybe they feel it should. Now, I I just I just have a hard time, okay? Because I am a big George Knapp fan, very big George Knapp fan. Jeremy is his own person. I neither love him or hate him. All right, but George Knapp is, in my opinion, is a legend in this field. He has won multiple journalism awards, and for people, even some who are not journalists to say that he's breaking some sort of code or pact or anything, he still hasn't been fired from KLAS-TV in Las Vegas. And he's been there over 42 years. So the idea that, you know, a lot of people will say, well, tenure means nothing. Well, his sources have given him a lot of information. That's him doing his job. I don't expect the public to fully understand or comprehend that. But as as a journalist, you have to have your sources. And George has dug in long enough where his sources trust him. You know, but the idea behind it that that Green Street just in his own quote wouldn't get off the hook even though they said Travis Taylor from Skinwalker Ranch Television and and one of the top scientists in in uh, the United States when it comes to UFOs, give him time to answer the question. Don't just throw it out there, another question out there, if you know 
they've already stated to you that they'll line something up with Travis Taylor. But on the flip side, I get a little upset, Tim, because we've seen Brandon Fugel, who is a fan of ours, the owner of Skinwalker Ranch. I've asked him if I could go on Skinwalker Ranch. I got to know. But he'll bring on somebody like Stephen Greenstreet who doesn't even believe the phenomena exists, let alone to try and experience the phenomena. We've seen uh, this happen with other people in the field. Oh, you're a, you're a big-time skeptic? Well, come with me. Let's, let's try and figure this out together. Whereas in the meantime, other people kind of get screwed out of an opportunity. I don't know why we're trying to appease the Stephen Greenstreets or the Mick Wests of this field. Now, I'm not saying they're not bad people because I think they are good people. Okay, Everybody has something good in them. But at some point, you got to draw the line. Say, you know what, Stephen? You're a journalist. Your opinion doesn't matter. Why? Because you're a journalist. Call it down the middle. Tim, your thoughts. Yeah, and I understand exactly what you're saying, but this is such a tantalizing topic that you got to know when you're being fed the truth or a lie. And the fact of the matter is Skinwalker Ranch is incredibly tantalizing, and it's even attracted Stephen Greenstreet himself. He yeah. has gone there to see if he could experience something of the phenomenon. And I think that's great because it may help him find his own personal journey. But when it comes to reporting on this, you're absolutely right that you have to stay right down the middle on things. And you can't draw your conclusion before you've already asked a question, especially in this case. And so it does feel like there was some fuel to his fire when he was asking, but perhaps he may know some truth. And maybe he's pushing on those buttons simply because he's looking for that truth to come out. Now, again, I'm not saying that there's anything to be reported on here other than the fact that this took place. I don't pick sides. I find the whole thing just very funny that it took place in, in, you know, in public because it's really not the place for something like this. And in fact, I wanted to ask you very briefly, Dave, because I know you go to a lot of conventions and I do too, events like this. Um, do you feel like using conventions are places for uh, political agendas, typically, um, for you know, manipulating beliefs and consciousness for political agendas? Um, it's been said that conventions uh, are geared towards UFO nuts. Now, that's not me. That's a quote that are seen as easily manipulated by pseudoscience. And that no. potentially CIA operatives yes. consider infiltrating the UFO community via podcasts and political, pla- uh, at, I'm sorry, and political positions. Well, we got random guy. Right. We got random guy. <laughs> you know. No, but. I guess I never thought of that. But who, who quoted that? Oh, it would have been one of. The websites that I was researching for tonight, okay. I can find Here, out. Here's the problem with that quote. Yeah. The likelihood of that person going to a UFO conference is probably slim to none. Okay. Right. And I hate it when people like this use their power of authority 
to give an op-ed piece to absolutely slam a community they know nothing about. Right. All right. There are a lot of things I don't know about. I don't understand people who waste their time playing Dungeons and Dragons for days on end. Or one of those games that doesn't end. Or, what about the political agenda push, though, well, that potentially, you know, they could be like more of the threat narrative opposed to the reality of you being well, maybe not a threat? Okay, so the question is, if you took somebody like Mick West or you took another skeptic like Stephen Greenstreet, okay, my question to you is this. If you hate this community so much and you don't believe this community so much, why are you wasting your time inside the community? Are you doing it for fun? Are you doing it to make uh, fun of people? Okay, you've already stated you don't believe it. Okay, so are you, what are you doing here? I know if I don't like something, I don't do it. I hate soccer. I'm not about to go to a soccer match to appease anybody, to watch the hooliganism and try and, and cry my eyes out when watching parents actually allow their children to play such a hideous game. I'm not going to put myself in that position because I know what I'll do. I'll make fun of people. So why are they feeling that they have to be the the anti-UFO deities that are, uh, and yes, Stargazer in the chat room. I, yes, I do like curling. It's good sport. Good Can sport. I follow up very briefly with Mick West's comment from sure. AlienCon? And this is why I, I was kind of getting geared towards this, because what he took from uh, his listening to Jay Stratton speak was one interesting nugget. And this is the quote from Twitter. One interesting nugget from AlienCon was former UAPTF head Jay Stratton confirming what I've long suspected, that the upgrade to the F-18 nose radar around the 2014 made them highly sensitive. And so the pilots, like he speaks on someone here, were reporting balloons in many cases. And so what he's saying is that with that upgrade, a lot of the reports they were getting on UAP were balloons. And he felt that Jay Stratton's uh, speech at the convention supported his uh, theory on that. And so we can kind of see how it's being polarized a little bit. You know, someone can take something that Jay Stratton said and use it in the exact opposite way, fueling the fact that this may not be that. And it's something that we need to, you know what I mean? I know. I know what you're saying. Okay. And I think Mick West is a little bit more open than what he wants to be. He just wants to be highly critical to make sure in his mind that the information that comes out is 100% legit. Okay, but he's also the kind of guy who is not, he you could have an alien standing right in front of him and he's going to call it Boca. Like there just never seems to be pleasing them. I'm all for skepticism. You have to be skeptical, especially around this subject. You do. 
But you know what? Not everybody is trying to throw a wrench at this. People wouldn't waste this much time, Tim, in bringing out videos and releasing videos and doing all of this stuff just to screw not only with the UFO public, which is a very fringe minority of society, but the rest of the world as well. Right. And, well, there must be. And yeah. Hold on. One other thing I want to bring up about Mick West. Okay. This man is a video game expert. He made his millions through video games, especially Tony Hawk's skateboarding. How does that make him a UFO expert? He's never seen a UFO. He's never experienced a UFO. And he walks in to our community and starts ripping everything apart that we don't know what we're talking about, treating many people in this community like they're stupid. Whether that's his goal or his intention, I don't know. I've only interviewed the man once. I would interview him again. But it really keys on me wondering, who do people like him and and Stephen Greenstreet work for? Are they on another payroll that maybe we should know about? Because they're sure wasting a lot of time and energy and money going to places about a subject they don't believe in. I think it's important to have a hard-nosed analytical approach to everything. And I have to admit that there's been times when Mick West has come up with a result quicker than I have. There's been times that I've had a hunch and it's come up to be something that he eventually came up with. There's been times when he comes up with stuff that I totally disagree with. Um, But I think it's simply because I come from a much more passive place. Like, I don't think every case can be explained. So I have that gray box wide open, and I feel like he doesn't have a gray box. No matter what that case is, there's going to be an explanation, even if he has to kind of force it, perhaps. That's just me saying. I, I But I feel like we have to have these people that hard nose this stuff at some point. And I feel like Stephen Greenstreet is looking for the truth, and he'd love to report on it, but he would at the same rate love to report a UFO. And on that note, you got the final word on that tonight, Tim. You beat me out on it. You wasted the clock, so I couldn't respond. Good job for you. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. I know you're out there somewhere. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. 
we need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we got room for them, too. Good night. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We were prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.